Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. But you know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. I got to tell you, one of my favorite things I do every single day is I go read the reviews for SaveWithConrad.com. Check this one out from Paulo in Riverbank, California. He left us a five-star review, and he had this to say. Derek and the team were easy to work with and very accessible. The whole process was smooth and relatively fast. I was able to save money and reduce my interest rate by about 1%. No gimmicks. Conrad and his team will dropkick your costs and put you over with more money in your pocket. Head over to savewithconrad.com, brother. I love when people work wrestling lingo into the reviews and even cut a little promo. Thanks for that, Paulo. You put a smile on my face today. And that's what we'd like to do for your family. Put a smile on your face with how much money you can save. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. And dude, if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. So what are you waiting for? Get yourself a quick quote right now. Interest rates are on the rise and you don't want to miss this. Waiting will only cost you money. Hurry to savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, no house payments for two months. Come get you some of that, mean gene. Save with Conrad.com. Man, we love talking about our friend Steven Singer. And I'll tell you, the competition must really hate this guy. He just makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Well, head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The guy next to you may be paying less. Do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on your negotiating skills? That's never the case at Steven Singer because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Brits. Brits. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She booted. She booted. What a rib? No, you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. And was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. Scared to shock him. Q Bruce. Ah, look. You take a cheeseburger. You take 
machine. God damn, kid. God damn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Ooh, yeah. What say you? Pronoun. Now. And now, something to wrestle with. Con Bruce Pritchard. He the second most wicked now. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Conrad, as I sit here and I, I, I not reminisce, but I kind of just ponder on life's little questions and what have you, and and Stephen Tyler lyrics kind of run through my head just in general on a daily basis. Anyhow, you realize th- this this is going to drop on April 2nd, correct? Uh, what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Yeah. WrestleMania 12 are, 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 are something to wrestle. Yes. Yeah. So then when, when this drops on April 3rd, I will have been married for 25 years. Really? Well, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, 25 years. And, and I, it, it makes me think of, of a time that when Vince was celebrating maybe his 35th wedding anniversary or maybe 25, I don't fucking know. It was whatever it was, uh, he said, Jerry Lawler, he said, Jerry, could you imagine being married to the same person for for 25 or 30 years or whatever it was? And Jerry says, Vince, I couldn't imagine uh, dating someone that was 25 or 30 years old, that old. So as I say all that, he couldn't imagine dating someone that old. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a real Jerry Lawler joke. That's a Jerry Lawler line. That's a true actual statement from Jerry. I'm not busting on Jerry. I love Jerry. Jerry's me and Jerry be good. I find Jerry highly entertaining, but as I do, and I'm sitting there today. <laughs> oh, I, 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 you saw me, man. I was really un, not, not clean shaven. I had, I, I basically grown myself a beard and I said to myself, I said, self, I'm going to shave this motherfucker off. I'm okay. going to shave and I'm going to just shave, shave clean and all that good shit. Wait, wait, are you getting armpits and chest and sack meat and the whole deal? No, it's just my facial area. Okay. Got it. Now, see, you won't be able to, to relate to this because you don't shave. Well, I mean, I do above and below the beard, but yeah, I'm with you. Okay, well then come with me on this little journey I'm for ready. a second. I'm ready. You're shaving above and below. You probably keep keep your shave cream and your uh razor in the same area, correct? Dr. Carver shave butter, slicker than something on a gold tooth, according to Jim Cornette. Uh, that's exactly what I use as well. There you go. But you probably keep your shave your shave uh butter and your razor right next to each other in the same place, same time, all the time. All the time. All the time. Well, Imagine the goddamn shock of going in and I'm ready to shave. Now I haven't shaved in like two weeks or whatever it was. Right. But there's my shave butter up there and I go to find my, my razor. I can't find my goddamn razor because someone had arbitrarily gone into my goddamn shelves and moved my goddamn razor. Why are you cussing Stephanie like this? Didn't cuss Stephanie. I said someone. Okay. 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 
But damn it, Stephanie had gone into my shadows and moved my razor for some reason. And I couldn't find it, and then I found it. And, but it just, it, 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 and, and, and like, I've got the clippers, too. So, like, when you want to, like, clean up your goatee and shit and everything, right. and just, you know, right. those two. So, I have a little bag for that, and I keep it all in the bag. It's a peanut little thing, right? Right. And on top of that was shoved another clippers that I think, anyway, that, and, I'm, and I just had to ask, Why? Why did you have to take this other clippers and put it in my clipper bag that I use and with some wires and other shit and put it up back in there? And why did you have to move my razor? And mm-hmm. there's no reason. And then she says, well, the cleaning people were coming and I didn't want them to touch us. But th- there was nowhere. They were they don't touch my shelves. Just why, Conrad? Why? Why does why did these things have to set me off and just be able to put me into a place that is just goddamn unfair? You know, you know what's. What's interesting about that too, is the statement you were given was, I didn't want the cleaning people to move your stuff. So I did. Yeah. Like, isn't that the same thing? Like I'm trying to avoid this happening. So to make sure it didn't happen, I like, you know, did it. Yeah. So I'm talking about, well, you know, it's like, uh, my grandfather told me once. He was married to my grandma. What did Grandpa Thompson tell you? It was Big Daddy Jones. Oh, he's Big Daddy Jones on the other side. Okay. Not 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 the other side of the pond who will never get in the Hall of Fame. A different Big Daddy. Uh the gotcha. the, the Jones one here in Alabama. Uh he divorced my grandmother after many, many years of marriage. And I asked why that was. Like, how are you married all these years, you know, decades? And then you get divorced. And he said, Son, I came to realize one day that you know, if I'd have just shot her instead of getting married, I'd have been a free man by now, but yeah, here I am still in this same hell pattern. Don't ever get married. And of course I listened real good. So three years ago I got married and that has not been my experience, but it sounds like from the way you're describing things, things are, things are going to change in my life one day. Yeah. Things are going to change in your life one day, but look, that doesn't outweigh the wonderful 25 years that I have had being married to the same woman and the mother of my children, whom I love absolutely dearly and all that good shit. But God bless America. So Leave my fucking razor on the goddamn razor shelf. So this is where we are. You've got, you got razor heat. Yeah. Is this uh, is this like what, what our show is now? I mean, I was hoping we'd talk about WrestleMania 12, but I feel like you just went on like an old man yells at clouds rant about a shave kit. Well, Conrad, they got everything up in the cloud. If you don't yell at the cloud, then who the hell is going to hear you? That's actually the most sound reason I've ever heard for being the guy who yells at the clouds in the sky, that everything's in the cloud these days. It is. It's all up in the cloud. Where's that Anyway, I lost these pictures. No, they're up in the cloud. Well, I really would like to see that. It's up in the cloud. What happened to my fucking razor? It's up in the cloud. Everything's in the goddamn cloud. So if you don't yell at the cloud, how the fuck is the cloud going to know that you're pissed off? That's, that's See, you just looked up to the clouds. Just then you looked up to the fucking clouds because you know that that's true. You ready to talk about WrestleMania? Correct me if I'm wrong. I agree with everything you're saying, Bruce. 
I don't think you and I have ever had a disagreement on these shows. By the Never. way, good point. What was the feedback you got from last week's show where we were sort of all over the place doing a little rapid fire Q and a, I got some pretty good feedback. I think the two things that people enjoyed the most, I've already had multiple requests for, Hey, you guys need to animate the story. The what if of Vince McMahon on the price is right. That seems like that could be fun. And they really liked the, uh, the pickle story from last week, the way you really stretched it, told the whole car rental story and pickles were everywhere. That could be fun. It wasn't stretching it. That was how it all happened. I'm not in the, in the, in the, in the, the awkward ride with a complete stranger who I had just paid him in cash, half of his, uh, rental car fee just to get you the Conradison that has its own chauffeur service. Oh you could have just called, you know, one of your chauffeurs, Clint from Hershey or something could have come and got me. Clint doesn't have a driver's I license. He don't, I guess he don't drive at night on Mondays. Clint doesn't have a driver's license. Clint's a, a ride catcher. He's a ride share guy. Oh yeah. That's becoming a thing with the, with the kids these days. Like both Megan and I's kids, when they turned 16, neither one were like racing to go get their license. They're both like, nah, we're good. Which is kind of we weird. Line and that bothered me. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you attribute that to? Complacency, complacency. I don't get it. I see. I wanted to get my license on my 16th birthday so I could fly and be free. Fly, be free. That's from Mark and Mindy when Mark discovered all the eggs. And so <laughs> eggs up in the air. Fly, be free. Ah, chest fight. Okay. Some of our older fans will get that. Yeah. Shout you out. have no idea what I'm talking about. No, but John Paul Shelnut does. He's your age. So he knows. He's older. Shit. He's like 709. <laughs> well, let's talk about WrestleMania 12, uh, the Arrowhead Pond, Anaheim, California. You it's still didn't send me notes, but that's okay. We're going to go ahead. We're winging it. No, I shared them on Google. I didn't Docs, get them. Like I got high speed business internet. I, I didn't get the shit yet. I mean, I'm looking at your name on the list. I sent it to your AIM. Yeah. Aim. <laughs> I mean, does it fucking matter? It's not like you're going to read them now. We're doing the show. Okay. I mean, it's not like I read them before. It's just that I want to be included. Okay. All right. Is uh, it not? Is it? Does it? The, the, the very last two lines of this show are Bruce Pritchard. They are. That's true. <laughs> but you know what's funny is I've gotten used to doing the show without Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's not damn near as entertaining. I, I, I'm not arguing that at all. Fuck, I'm over here trying I mean, to hold it together. It is, because it's my old when I used to be funny. Yeah, back when you had, you know, not Time. a solid set of gray hair. Are we going to talk about that? We need to get you a Just for Men membership. You're getting older by the day. What? I, what's wrong with gray hair? Nothing. Megan actually likes it. If you let your have. shit go, it'll all be gray too. I, I don't die shit. Bullshit. Buddy. I, it, you think when you look at me, you think, boy, that guy, he's pretty vain. You can tell. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I do. I'm just saying, how are you like Mr. Manicure pedicure? You can't fucking rake a little just for men across there. But you know, Okay. Ju- the just for men shit, because you got to like shampoo that shit in and let it sit. And then it makes your hair smell funny. And you, yeah, I don't know. Fucking it's, I don't like it. 
Get, and the lady that used to color my hair, I obviously don't go to her anymore. <laughs> and uh, it just was so tired. Would be t- so tired. They put the foil and shit on your hair, and you got to sit there under a a thing and dry it and all that crap. Oh, you know what? You and Charles Robinson need to go together because he posts pictures of him in the foil. I didn't know that was from dying. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what people put foil in their hair for. I thought it was just girl shit. I didn't know. No, it's, it's professional shit. That's what you do when you professionally care about what you look like. Then you reach my age and you just don't care what you look like. Yeah. So WrestleMania Except when you want to shave. Yeah. And then you just get, it's another excuse <laughs> to be irritated at your wife. If you're a business owner, you don't need to tell us that running a business is tough, but you might be making it harder on yourself than it's really necessary. Don't let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It's time to upgrade to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch those spreadsheets and all the old software that you've now outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need all in one place instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save both time and money with NetSuite. Join more than 24,000 other companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash wrestle. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com forward slash wrestle. That's netsuite.com forward slash wrestle. Hey, so what'd you and Stephanie do for your big two five? We haven't yet. Cause it's tomorrow, Conrad. So, okay. You're going to be, you're going to be at uh, a TV <laughs> tomorrow. So no, actually I'll be back tomorrow. I'll, I'll April 3rd. I'll, I'll be, I'll be home. Oh yeah. I forget. We're talking about when it airs. My apologies. Okay. Yeah. So let's get into it. WrestleMania 12. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to be topical. Can I talk about WrestleMania 12 in, in the future topical? Please. Oh, now you want to go to the Wayback machine. Yes. I'd okay. like, I'll, I'll save you a seat. Okay. You can grab a shotgun. All right, let's go. Arrowhead can Pond, Anaheim, California. Let's sort of walk it back a little bit. You know, WrestleMania three, we all know huge show. Uh, and, and it's in the silver dome, WrestleMania four and five Trump Plaza, WrestleMania six, the sky dome in Toronto seven was supposed to be the Coliseum plans change eight in a dome in Indianapolis, nine outdoors in Las Vegas, 10 Madison square garden, 11. It felt like the company knew, Hey man, we're not where we used to be. So let's control our costs a little bit. You do it in Hartford, Connecticut. And now we're in Anaheim, California, not Los Angeles, but Anaheim. Is this just strictly based on you get more favorable terms in Anaheim than you might LA? No, I'd say LA and Anaheim were probably the same. I, I think that more than anything, there was a move there at one point to go to fill up smaller buildings at uh, maybe a higher price point. Right. And you, you make just as much as you would in a stadium. I, I think that the stadium aesthetics are better sometimes, but it the the feel for the performer and 
the look overall and just the overall cost in general of putting together a, an arena show versus a stadium show are considerable. As we covered last week, uh, and the, the whole, uh, ask Bruce, anything we sort of teased that this was around your wedding time. How complicated was this WrestleMania from your perspective where you're trying to sort of wear two hats? It's the most stressful time of the year for your professional life, but somehow you silly, some of my bitch. You've managed to schedule a wedding right after. How's that even possible, dude? Okay. Well, <laughs> kind of like everything else in my life, I, I, I arranged the things outside of the business around the business. So I knew I was going to get married. Right. And WrestleMania was coming up. And it was a time, and I knew that uh, for our, what's that thing called? After you get married? Our honeymoon. honeymoon. Our honeymoon. I wanted to go to Hong Kong. Wait a minute. That's where you go on a honeymoon? Did she have any say in this? I don't recommend it uh, (laughs) for a honeymoon. But um, that was, yeah, my head. I wanted to go to the exotic Hong Kong. I loved Hong Kong. Wait, so you had been to Hong Kong before? Yes, several times. And so when you went on to Hong Kong before, did you go on like a guy's trip or my brother lived over there? So I would go visit and not Dr. Just, Tom, another brother. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful Island, beautiful place. And, uh, I used to say that it was a sophisticated New York city where more people spoke English. Okay. I just, I, I love Asia. I love Japan. I love Hong Kong. Um, so I, that's where I wanted to go. And Stephanie had never been. So she was kind of intrigued. I don't, I know now she'll never, ever want to go back. Oh, um, so she didn't so, enjoy her honeymoon. She did. She did, but I don't think it's, you know, one of those places that's on the bucket list ever again. I think she would have much preferred a, a beach in Hawaii, but the thing was, was we're going to be on the West coast. So it's a much shorter flight to Hong Kong. I dreaded the flight back, but it was time that I could take it. It, right after WrestleMania. So I also knew that we, we didn't want a big wedding. Um, we were just going to, going to do, I do, she do, we do in Vegas. Those that wanted to come, come on. And those that didn't, um, Hey, give me some money or a gift or something. Give me some money. I love you for that. So you got married in the, uh, uh, which wedding chapel was it in Vegas? Because it's a pretty famous one, right? The little white chapel in Vegas by the owner. So is that the one that Michael Jordan got married in? It is the one Jim Ross got mar- married in the one that, uh, Stephanie and Hunter got married in and the infamous Monday night Ross get. And so the thing was, was I thought, okay, well, we can go to Anaheim, right. do WrestleMania. And then right after WrestleMania, we jump on a plane that Wednesday, I'll get married on Wednesday night and everybody can go on their way of those that want to come from the office or, or from the, the wrestling crew. So it was, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, and it was, that was, we finished up TV. Let me think how we did this. Yeah. We finished up TV in San Diego on Tuesday night on Wednesday morning. Uh, Vince, Pat and I flew to Vegas and stayed at Caesars and, uh, got married that night, had a big party and, uh, Went on our way. 
how good of a salesman did you used to be where you not only got your wife to schedule her wedding around WrestleMania, you made sure it was in Las Vegas. So it was convenient for all the biz always. And then you sold her on going to a guy's trip. Yeah. For a honeymoon. Yeah. And while standing in line and, uh, in Caesars waiting to check in, um, Vince looks at me and says, so what are we doing after the wedding? And, um, like again, typical Bruce or typical, whatever. I'm like, I don't know. Um, come back here to the bar and hang out, you know, <laughs> see what everybody wants to do. And he says, you mind if I do something? I said, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Not really even kind of putting two and two together. Wait. So you didn't have a reception planned. No, okay. I figured we just all come back to the bar and hang out. Okay. And, uh, and so he grabs Tom at the wedding. Tom was my best man and tells me, yeah, he goes, let everybody know that, uh, afterwards, um, I've got a room at the Palm and, uh, we'll have a nice little get together at the Palm. So we, there were 22 people, uh, that, uh, that were at the wedding, the gorilla monsoon, Howard Finkel, uh, from the biz, if you will, Tom was there and, uh, my mom was there and friends from school, buddy Sullivan and his wife, Beverly, they came, uh, did Stephanie get to invite anyone or was that not allowed? Yeah. Yeah. Sid Rosa came. Okay. Um, that was her maid of honor, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a good, it was, a, it was just a fun, fun time. Cornette was there. How about um, that? It was a fun, fun time. Well, the good old days. Yeah. So it was, it was good. And then we had, you know, the big party and shit. My mom let, this is great. So my mom leaves the dinner and Vince has this, this big room and shit. Everybody gets to order whatever they want. He had like a plethora of appetizers and different shit. That was just everything on the menu type deal. And then people got to order whatever they wanted entree wise and eat, drink, be merry. Had a big cake made for us and shit. It was beautiful. And, um, it, it was, it was really, really, really cool. Really nice. But my mom comes up and she wants to leave early. And so she comes up to us and she was there with a friend of hers and she says, Oh, Nancy and I are so tired. I, I'm going to go back to bed early because I, 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 we're really tired. My mom leaves. So now we finish up the festivities over there and we're walking back over to, uh, Caesar's casino. We're going to go to a bar over there and just, we're walking through the casino. There's my mom on the slot. Oh, um, she said, oh, well, we came. Oh, my God. Look at the time. Bullshit. She just wanted to go gamble. I love that. So, yeah, it was it was the, for the convenience of everybody. When, when we got there, so um, when, we, when we got to Anaheim, one of the other things that we got to do was we, we arranged for a bunch of the boys to go on a uh, Universal Studios tour. Okay. So it was uh, Layfield and his wife at the time, uh, Bubba Ray. I think Devon was with us. No, 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 no. This is 96. This is before they're there. Oh, shit. No, Bradshaw was there. Yeah, but Bubba Ray and Devon were still in ECW. They didn't come around for years. You're thinking of a different trip. I must be thinking of a different trip. Well, then never mind. <laughs> no, go ahead. Tell us about another time. No, the, Universal, the Universal Studios uh, tour. And I know Bubba was there because of the hat I had. Um, 
But we we went through and Leave It to Beaver is one of my favorite all time all time favorite television shows. I tape it to this day on me TV every morning from eight to nine, and I watch it. That's like my if I'm in a bad place, I just go watch Leave It to Beaver because it makes me happy. It makes me smile. Good for you, right? And so we we went we went on the uh, back lot tour of Universal Studios, and I got to see Leave It to Beaver's house. Pretty cool. Yeah. You know, Leave it to Beaver was a warlock in real life. You know, it's funny because you actually have mentioned that to me before, but there's more to that story when you told me that I don't think you'll yeah, tell on well, the show. You know, but, but then again, I, I it, that, that's, that's past history. <laughs> I, just, I always, I, I found it interesting because I watched a Leave it to Beaver episode the other day where Beaver was afraid of witches. Yeah, and you know in real life he's not afraid of I know in real life that he became a warlock, a super warlock, like with mega powers and shit. Mega powers. Well, let's explode them here for WrestleMania. Let's 20. go. God blessed America. Uh March thirty first, nineteen ninety six is when it went down, so we just passed the twenty fifth anniversary. We've got fifteen thousand eight hundred and fifty five fans there. Uh, 12,909 of those were paying fans. They had a gross at the gate of 737,440 bucks and it did 290,000 buys. That's down 50,000 from the year prior with Lawrence Taylor on top. In hindsight, do you think Lawrence Taylor was responsible for those extra 50,000 buys or was the business down or did we just not have what the people wanted to see? Uh, probably a combination of all of those things. And that new gas station and opening up down the street. The other thing I found interesting is WrestleMania 11 cost 34.95 on pay-per-view where WrestleMania 12 cost 29.95. When I sort of freestyled a question like this last week on the Q and a said, nah, man, we didn't have studies back then. It was just feel. Did you feel like the year prior, perhaps because of your financial commitment to Lawrence Taylor, you needed to charge the $5 extra. Did you feel like because he was on the card, it was enough added value that you could, did you think the business maybe wouldn't sustain it here? Did you think that maybe you only got three forty the year prior because of that extra $5? What's the thinking for the decrease? I think just kind of with the market and overall looking at where we were and where pay-per-view was at the time, you know, pay-per-view has gone through some highs and lows in its history as well. And, um, I think it just was different. And, uh, and by the way, I found the notes. They went to my junk thing. You go to my junk thing. Why did you what junk me? Up with that? Why'd you junk me? I didn't junk you, but you went to my junk thing. Well, that's not cool, man. It is. It's fucked up. Hey, I want to mention. I'm still not going to look at them, but I found no, them. I know you're not going to watch them, buddy. All right, heads up, boys and girls. Our pal and Grammy-nominated artist Wale has announced an official apparel partnership with WWE along with Foot Action. The very first Wale Mania capsule was designed with Wale, and it's going to launch during WrestleMania week and feature some of the greatest black champions of all time. There will not only be apparel available online from the greats of today, like Kofi Kingston and Sasha Banks, but also legends like Booker T, Mark Henry, and Ron Simmons. Damn. Wale Mania launches on April 7th. Follow at Foot Action for more details. And I got to tell you, man, I'm pretty hyped up about this. Wale has been a big supporter, not only of professional wrestling, but of our podcast for years. And now he's got to deal with Foot Action? Come on, man. 
You love wrestling as much as I do, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And who doesn't want a style and profile? Seriously, this is a big deal. Make sure you follow at foot action at Wale and use the hashtag Wale mania, or just check out hashtag Wale mania and see what's causing all this. Wale mania launches on April 7th. You got to follow at foot action for more details, but man, this is so cool. And we are so glad to be a part of Wale mania coming to foot action. Kofi Kingston, Sasha Banks, Booker T, Mark Henry, and Ron Simmons. Damn. Wale mania is a WrestleMania tradition. And this year, it's no different. Check it out right now. Use that hashtag Wale Mania and be sure to follow at Foot Action and at Wale to get the lowdown on all the new t-shirts and hoodies and everything else that Wale's got going on. Because let me assure you, if Wale's involved, it's going to be cool. It's at Wale, at Foot Action, and hashtag Wale Mania just in time for WrestleMania. And it launches April 7th. Um... It, it does make me wonder, like maybe the pay-per-view landscape changed. Maybe I'm, I'm reaching here, but Tyson goes to prison. He's not on pay-per-view in 92, 93 or 94. He comes back in August of 95. So that's after you've done WrestleMania, uh, 11, but now, you know, he's going to fight Frank Bruno on March 16th. Uh, so just, a you know, what? 10 days before this, Mike Tyson's on pay-per-view again. And even here, even though it's maybe not the Mike Tyson of several years prior, he's still a juggernaut on pay-per-view. When you know you're going to run a show in the same month as a Mike Tyson pay-per-view back then, that has to at least be something you're aware of, right? Oh, certainly you're, you're aware of as much as you can be on that, in that realm, because I think you're fighting for the same entertainment dollar there. The same buyer that's going to buy us is going to buy a Tyson fight. Right. Let's, uh, let's talk about the road to WrestleMania it began at the Royal rumble, which we recently covered diesel cost the undertaker, his title match against Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels wins the Royal rumble, nearly strips naked. Uh, and, um, Goldust wins the intercontinental title from razor Ramon Vader makes his WWF debut Vader and gorilla had their classic angle the next night on Monday night raw where Vader would attack gorilla, put him on the shelf. And this is really all done because Vader came over hurting and he needed, he needed surgery. So we had to have a reason to suspend him in hindsight. How well do you think that Vader gorilla angle was done? I thought it was done very well. It was a big deal. It was the equivalent of attacking Jack Tunney. However, the audience gen genuinely loved Gorilla Monsoon. Yes, they did. So I think that was a huge deal and, and a huge way to debut Vader. Let's sort of fill the gaps between the Rumble and Mania here. Uh, Roddy Piper is going to be announced as replacing Gorilla Monsoon as the president, and I like the idea of having him in this role. He's a, a beloved figure, much like Gorilla. When you first bring him in, do you bring him in with the understanding that, Hey, Scott Hall's not happy with the gold dust thing. And we need to call an audible or were those two unrelated. And it just happened that way where it's like, okay, what else could we do? Hey, Roddy's back now doing this other thing. Let's just tie it together. It was a combination of the two. And it was more of a, Hey, Roddy, you want to come back? You want to be back in the fold? And it also was one of those where, yeah, we needed somebody to fill that razor spot. And if you're going to do it, you've got to do it with a bigger name and a better name. Um, 
Roddy Piper fit that role. It was a combination of, okay, well, we've got him for that. We could use him for this interim president deal. But to get Roddy back in the mix without having to do everything central on the gold dust story, that makes any sense at all. Let's talk about, um, Roddy and how easy it was to get him to get back into the ring with some physicality. <laughs> I just was laughing how easy it was. Nothing with Roddy was easy. Well, that was my, my, my question. Cause it does feel like, Hey, we pitch him one deal. And then once he's back in the fold, then we try to pitch a little more, much like maybe you're pitched as being a consultant working from home, part-time few hours a week. And then you're pacing concrete floors four days a week in hell. Before you know it, does any of that ring a bell? I mean, I, I, I could relate to that analogy, I guess. <laughs> you know, I just remember a few years ago. Oh yeah. It's going to be like four hours a week from home. It's great. It's no big deal. Fast forward two months. Hey man, do you know how hard concrete floors are in dress <laughs> shoes for 17 hours a day? <laughs> I forgot. Uh, so chat me up talking Roddy out of this figurehead role. And now we're going to do some physicality. I'm sure he was game to do stuff with Dustin. I'm sure that's something he could have fun with. He always liked to be a guy to push the envelope, but just, Hey, we signed up for one thing. Now we want you to do another. What was that like? You know, I, it wasn't necessarily that way. It was like, Hey, Robbie, we'd like to have you come back. We'd like to use you in some different things. And, and then it grew from there. I know that Roddy, first of all, Roddy thought everything was a swerve and that everything was out to get him in, in a lot of respects. But he also knew that, I, I mean, I, I didn't blow smoke up his ass and I didn't try to, hey, Roddy, we're going to have you do this. I, I told him pretty much up front that this is the deal, we're probably going to do more. And he knew it was coming. He knew there was going to be more. He knows that, you know, um, not to use him would have been a bad thing in more things. Would you, um, would this have been something where you're involved with the money conversation at all when you're having that conversation or do you always defer to Vince or someone else in that era? In that era, it was, you look, there were no guaranteed contracts. There was no guarantee like that. So we were just really testing the waters at that point. And for Roddy, Roddy was old school and understood that, hey, he's going to be, he's going to get a WrestleMania payoff in here and that he would be paid accordingly for what he contributed. Let's, uh, let's talk about some other news and notes as we head in here. Uh, Mankind is a character we start to see vignettes for. And you've told us before that, uh, the rat that was featured in some of those vignettes is, is Jim Cornette's pet rat, George, the rat. And of course we know that mankind is going to debut right after WrestleMania on that Monday night raw. There's so many fascinating things about that character. Uh, Jim Ross, of course, takes credit or blame for pushing for the signing. And, uh, he, he jokingly says that Vince McMahon demanded that if we're going to hire Mick Foley that cactus Jack guy, we've got to cover his face up. So he gets a crazy mask and a crazy outfit and there's patches of hair missing and he's rocking back and forth and making funny sounds. And he has one set of music for an entrance and one set for an exit. There's just a lot going on with this character, a lot of thought put into it. What can you tell us about 
these original vignettes and how this whole character came to life before he ever had a match on TV? Well, I mean, what's the question? Is it, is it who's, who's helping develop that and pitch in ideas. And I mean, you, you were very involved in the whole cane process. We know that, but was there someone who could say, man, mankind was my character. I really doubled down and spent a lot of time and invested a lot of energy in that. it, It was so much a combination of, I would say during that time, probably, uh, corny myself and Vince. And, you know, Vince had a specific vision as to what he saw. And I think Corny and I had a vision as far as um, how we saw in New Cactus and, and what could and couldn't work. So it, it was definitely a team effort on that. Uh, we also know that uh, Phineas Godwin is going to debut. Uh, who brought Dennis Knight in? Tell us how that came to be. Dennis was one of those guys, Tex Slazinger. Um, that was always around and beloved by everyone. He had been in Florida and I think he worked, uh, WCW as well for some, some gigs and shit. But Tex was one of those guys that was always around and beloved by everyone. So whenever anything would come up, it would always be, Hey, what about Tex? This was one of those, as you're looking around going, Hey, Tex is looking for a job. What about, uh, using something here and Phineas Godwin was born. Who can who comes up with P I G and H O G Phineas Godwin, and then Henry O Godwin. So they're P I G and H O G whose silly shit is this? It's her names. Yeah. But that, is that a Vince McMahon thing? That was probably a combination thing. Let's talk about the billionaire Ted skits because they start to air around that same time here in the first quarter of 96. Um, how involved were you with those? Did, was Vince there for the filming of it? Did he just review the tape? This feels like something that would have just tickled him. No, I wasn't there. Uh, I was only there for the, uh, billionaire Ted and Huckster match is the only one that I had to be involved in. And the rest of those were a product of Chris Chambers and uh, David Saadi that really masterminded those and came up with them and shot them from a guy that they had as a par- at a party that did impersonations, and one of them was Ted Turner. So it was uh, born out of that, out of, out of a guy that they had met and used for some different things and thought, this guy does a pretty funny Ted Turner. Well, by God, billionaire Ted was born. It came out a few months ago. Um, I shouldn't say it came out. I was watching an old raw on the WWE network, which is now on Peacock. And I hear Bruce that you can sign up for just like $2 and 50 cents right now. Is that real? That is real. That's like the best value in the history of wrestling. I think $2. Yeah, pretty much, man. I'd grab it. If I were you. Yeah. Check it out. By the way, it's on Peacock. So anyway, though, uh, there was something that ran at the end of a Monday night raw where Vince introduced an ad that he tried to run in the newspaper, uh, the wall street journal and the New York times, their financial section, and they both rejected it. So he was going to run a, a variation of that ad, but it was about, you know, attention shareholders. Uh, Ted Turner has lost like $30 million of your money. Where'd that money go? How aggressive was Vince? 
in real life, not just on screen with the silly, funny, ha ha billionaire, Ted, but how aggressive was Vince behind the scenes in real life about battling for his company, attacking this billionaire, Ted Turner. Well, I think that any time that you challenge Vince and being the competitor that he is and just the human being that he is, he's going to fight you. He's, he's going to do everything that he can do to survive. And this was an example of it. And you looked at the AOL Time Warner um, merger that they're working on. Yeah. And you look at TBS and you look at all this stuff and lo and behold, you couldn't find WCW in there. Right. You couldn't find all those losses. You couldn't find it. You couldn't even find where that number would have even been mysteriously written off. Right. You know what I mean? Where right. you, you knew what the number was and, and internally they sure as hell knew what that number was. So it was a, a, just a way to inform people and say, Hey, you know, you, you're going to do this. You're trying, by the way, and you're trying to put me out of business. They stated that they wanted to put us out of business. Um, Let's go. If you were going to armchair quarterback, everything that was happening in this first quarter, do you think perhaps one of the reasons that the business was down a little bit and this WrestleMania was down a little bit is because Vince was so focused on what they were doing and he should have perhaps focused that energy on what he was doing. Hindsight being 2020, I wish that we had completely ignored them. Yep. Frankly. Um, because we, and when we realize it is it's, we're doing everything that we found the territory guys did. We were, everybody was worried about what Vince was doing and trying to battle Vince instead of taking care of their own home. And I think that we became worried, not worried, but yeah, you, you, you start watching your competitor because the things that they were doing were making some noise. So if we had focused less on that and more on our own stuff and what I mean by less on that, ignore it, right. completely ignore it. Um, which has normally been the WWE way. Like you just right. Yeah. And I think that by doing it in a lot of ways, we gave them credibility and probably directed attention to them. And, and eventsism is never let them see you sell. And now for the first time ever, he's selling a little bit. Well, I, he's reacting for sure. Right. Yeah, definitely reacting. And I don't know that, you know, again, when you look back at it all these years later, but then we persevered and. Oh, it worked out. And, it worked and, kept out. On and, and again, when you look at the, the end story, it's, you get refocused, you take your resources and do everything that you can to take care of your business and stop worrying about their business. You will persevere in the end. As you were sort of giving your speech there about persevering. I remembered when we did live shows way back when, and we did one in Pittsburgh and we had Mr. Jerry McDivitt join us and he was doing a Q and a with the crowd, which in hindsight, can you believe we pulled that off? That's one of the craziest things we ever did. Uh, but one of the questions was about the whole Sean razor lawsuit, uh, not Sean and razor, but you know what I mean? The diesel razor lawsuit where the company was suing WCW for stealing their likeness. Well, eventually Turner settled and he disclosed at, the, at our little meet and greet thing. Yeah. We got $2 million out of that. And then uh, a few months later, we used that same money to buy their whole company. Is that not, yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. What do you think about it? Let's talk about, uh, go ahead. No, it truly is. And, and it's, it's kind of like, 
um, Crockett buying the TBS time slot, you know, that uh, Saturday, Saturday night time slot and buying that and then saying, okay, great. Hey, thank you very much. Cause we're going to use this to- <laughs> on WrestleMania. Yeah. Okay. Let's just be honest with each other. If you're listening to this, there's a 98% chance you're a dude. And there's also a pretty good chance. If you go to your significant other and you say, honey, I think we should refinance with this wrestling podcast guy. She's going to look at you like, huh? And I get that, but let me just put a little bug in your ear. Cruise on over and check out the reviews for us. Here's what people are saying. Christina in Lancaster, Ohio gave us a five-star review. She says the team was extremely responsive, knowledgeable, helpful with all our questions and time. The process was very quick and simple, and we were shocked at how easily everything came together. Thank you for that review, Christina. Here's what Brian in Moorhead, Minnesota said. If you want to refinance, choose these guys. They walked me through every step and they were great to work with. Here's what Lewis said in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Great communication, very friendly and knowledgeable staff. Here's what Lauren said in Monroe, Connecticut. Conrad made the process easy and was a pleasure to work with. Here's what Bailey said in Maryville, Tennessee. I was looking to refinance my mortgage. First family made it easy and efficient. I got a great rate and I was very pleased with the outcome. What about Jeffrey in Michigan? He gave us a five-star review and he wrote, everyone was helpful and patient with some of our local lenders, not wanting to help find the missing documents. I get it. It's a wrestling podcast, but he's saving us money on our mortgage. You really trust this process. The reviews don't lie. Five-star review after five-star review. We make it fast. We make it easy and it's no cost or obligation. Give us a shot to earn your business. I'm telling you, you'll be glad you did, especially if you like keeping more of your own money. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? Hurry to savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Get yourself a quick quote right now. Interest rates are on the rise and you don't want to miss it. Waiting will only cost you money. Hurry, savewithconrad.com. In hindsight, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something I've thought about recently. You know, we just did that long form deep dive interview with Jim Crockett. uh, And of course, unfortunately we lost him earlier this year, but he, he, we talked about that extensively, but my follow-up that he couldn't really answer anyway. So I didn't bother asking is, and maybe you've asked, do you think Vince could have actually pulled WrestleMania off without that cash infusion of that extra million bucks? I've always sort of gotten the impression he was borrowing from Peter to pay Paul to make that thing happen. And that extra million dollars couldn't have come at a better time. I think that it helped, but I, he definitely could have pulled WrestleMania off. Yes. WrestleMania was going to happen no matter what. Right. Let's talk about, uh, Justin Bradshaw, Justin Hawk Bradshaw, as it was, he debuts on superstars here between the rumble and WrestleMania. Did you ever imagine when you first saw that big bastard running around the locker room, he was going to have the career he had, because I don't think a lot of people could have ever predicted what he became when you see just the initial version of him in the WWF. Actually, I thought the initial version was going to be a huge megastar. Yeah. And it just never really took off. And I don't know if it was too stereotypical and too much of a, almost a, just a, uh, clone of Stan Hansen, a younger version of Stan Hansen. To me, that's what I always got out of it. But I thought that John did it really well. And I, I tell you this in meeting John from day one, 
you knew that he was going to be a huge star just because of the drive that he had in him and the no, no give up attitude. Some other news and notes as we head in here, uh, in your house, six is the pay-per-view between the rumble and mania. Uh, the highlights included razor Ramon beating the one, two, three kid in a diaper match. Thanks. Jim Cornette. I think, uh, Sean Michaels pinning Owen Hart in a great match. And then there was the cage match with Bret Hart and diesel, uh, in your house. Six is really the beginning of the end for razor and diesel in the WWF. We've covered this in the archives, but leaving the arena that night, both Scott Hall and Kevin Nash have made up their minds. They'll be going to WCW. Not too terribly long after this, once he gives notice, Scott Hall is then suspended for a failed drug test. And Kevin Nash is unhappy with Vince McMahon when he agreed with Brett on the finish of the cage match and that he not get hit with the power bomb. How frustrated was the office in general with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash? I think, I think it was probably more, you know, this is going to sound like your dad, but it wasn't frustration or anger. It was more disappointment. Right. And thinking that guys, you know, you could be making a huge mistake and in hindsight, you can say that changed the business forever when, when they went over there and it certainly changed the landscape of how we do business in, in the business. So um, in hindsight, looking at it, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to us was they left and we had to create new stars. I know we talked a lot about razor Ramon in the archives and you can check that out at something to wrestle.com. But as we're talking about WrestleMania, of course, everybody knows the original plan here was razor Ramon versus gold dust in a Miami alley fight. But the plan was changed once razor was suspended and he had given notice because he was joining WCW. Piper gets in his spot. Had that not happened, it makes me feel like it's sort of a shoe in that Razor was going to beat Goldust for the Intercontinental title, right? We wanted to give Had Razor been staying, yes. Yeah. So at that point, when you know that, well, that was the plan, but if he's staying, would it have made sense? Could you have made an argument for, hey, let's beat him with this controversial character that he doesn't like on our biggest show? Or did that just not serve the purpose as well as let's reestablish Roddy as a top guy. Cause we know he's an asset for us for the rest of the year. Or so we would hope we know he doesn't wind up being because he's in WCW by October. Well, it's a couple of things and real life, you know, when it hits you, whether it's a failed drug test or it's a medical test or, um, an unfortunate real life situation that happens. You have to deal with those things and you have to move on. Not always favorable to business, but you just have to, um, (laughs) you got to deal with it at the time and move on. So we were hit with the, the drug deal. And, and again, it's, you never asked. Vince would walk in and just tell us, you know, hey, uh, so-and-so's off for six weeks. Write them out. And we're looking at major markets with them in the main event and going, but can't we do? No. It's, it's what it is. Take them out. So that wasn't advantageous to business by any stretch of the imagination. And those that want to argue that it was are, are wrong. Um you deal with it and you move on. 
It's business. Let's, um, let's briefly circle back to Roddy. I know we talked about it before, but what was the, was this just a handshake deal with Roddy? Did you think, Hey, we're going to have you in for X number of months because I know that Scott Hall's leaving for WCW, but it's not going to be too long. So is Roddy Piper. And it's pretty, it's kind of a short list to be a guy who was on WrestleMania and Starcade the same year, because later this year, he's going to main event WCW's biggest show of the year against Hulk Hogan. Did you think he was going to be with you for the long haul here? Or did you just try it? And it maybe wasn't the fire that it once was. And let's just try some new things and move on. You know, Roddy's Roddy and, and, I, and I'll throw Hulk in there too. Hulk is Hulk. Um, that they're going to do what they're going to do. And while Roddy was one that would I have liked to have had him? Yeah, definitely. But Roddy wasn't what he, you know what I mean? He wasn't what he was at that time. Yeah. And huge star, great guy. It's just, I don't think that it was legacy at that point. Yeah. And, and I don't think that, that Roddy, was going to fit into basically what we were doing at the time, long-term. It's also, you know, it is something you got to at least reconcile in your head where we've got these billionaire Ted skits where we're saying Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage are fucking dinosaurs. Who would ever want to watch that? Oh, by the way, don't miss Roddy Piper on pay-per-view this weekend. Right. Yeah. Roddy Piper was younger, both of them. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is this really what we're doing right now? Don't you look it up. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Or not. He was born in 54. Yeah. Uh, Hulk Hogan was definitely born before that. He was born in 53. So you got him. Yeah. See? So we had the younger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, much younger. And uh, Savage, you want to guess what year he was? Um, It was six. 52. 52. You nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. So, uh, Savage Hogan, then Piper. So yeah, Piper was younger than both of them. So yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. speaking the of the new uh, generation fucker, speaking of the new generation, the ultimate warrior agrees to return and boy, you've right. talked a lot about destrucity here in the past available in the archives. When, when you're first talking with him conceptually about a return, and he's telling you about Destrucity and he's telling you about Warrior University and he's telling you about his comic book and his school, all this stuff. Does what he's going to do at WrestleMania even come up? JR, the only reason I mention this is JR often says, Connie, it always comes down to cash and creative. Well, I know you guys discuss the cash and I know you don't talk cash here on the show, so we'll table that. But creatively, did we talk about, okay, we're going to bring you back at WrestleMania. And here's who we want you to work with. And here's what we envision for the match. When is that discussed? I don't remember discussing it there. I think that the overall discussion before WrestleMania was long-term and in the future and looking at different ways to promote the warrior and his school and all that other stuff. Um, I don't know that. You know, we ever had the discussion with Jim specifically. Okay, here's what we're doing at WrestleMania. WrestleMania was just a launching off point for him to return. Right. Well, I wanted to bring it up because I am curious 
because the relationship was delicate. I mean, at times I think you guys even had Linda correspond with him because he liked for whatever reason, he liked dealing with her better. Who would have been the guy to, to go pitch the WrestleMania creative? Would Vince have said, Hey, Bruce, call and run this past gym, see what he's thinking. Or is that a call that, that Vince probably made himself? No, that would be something he, that Vince would probably do. I certainly didn't do it. So I guess the other question is the follow-up. How does Hunter Hearst Helmsley become the guy who draws the number? In theory, it feels like you probably want a, a heel with heat who people, you know, definitely hate and want to see, you know, catch a beat down here. So maybe the old, uh, Hey, who could give him a good match? Isn't necessarily applicable because it's going to be fast and we want it to be someone who has some heat. Well, how does that become Hunter? As far as you recall? Well, it was Hunter because of the guy that we did feel could give him the best match and someone that had natural heat and someone that we were moving on to something else with Mark Merrow. So the, the Hunter pick was an easy one. We, we thought that if anybody could lead warrior through a, a match and give him a big win, that was it. It was never meant to be the short, uh, match that it became. Okay. Can you tell us how it became a short match? Yeah. Warrior changed it, uh, that day. What's that? How did that go down? Can you elaborate? Uh, yeah. I mean, warrior, uh, I think Jerry Briscoe was the agent and warrior was like, no, this is the match we're going to do. And went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And at that point it's get the match in the ring. And Hunter was a pro and was like, you know what? Let's, let's just go do what we got to do and, and move on. We'll deal with all the other shit afterwards. I want to ask a question here that I don't think anybody's ever asked before. Uh, so put some thought into it before you shit on it. If I'm way off base, but hypothetically, if that's happening, the match is changing the day of, would that have also been the time from a management perspective that you would try to deliver some good news along with this bad news? The idea being sometimes when, and I'm not in the wrestling business, but I imagine if you're going to someone and you're saying, okay, we not only need you to sort of do him the favor here and do the honors, but we need it to happen in really strong fashion. And you might be thinking, okay, that means I'm definitely getting squashed. I'm getting buried. I'm getting all these bad words that we wrestling fans hear all the time, but don't you worry, Mr. Performer, because we got big plans for you. We're going to have you win the King of the ring. No, because well, we've always heard though, that the King of the ring in 96 was originally going to be Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And that all changed, of course, after the curtain call, but the curtain calls like six weeks after this. Yeah, no, that was not, that was not in the equation. It wasn't done. It was simply, you know, that day, if anything, you know, we're taking notes, at least I am. And the rest of us that had to deal with it of, you know, damn it, Jim, uh, <laughs> you can't do this. And, um, that's, that's where we were. But no, that, that this all happened day of, an hour of, and, and until you're in that situation, you can pontificate all you want. But it's at that point you have to make a call, do what you need to do, yeah. to get the show on. This is Paul Bromwell reminding you that now is the time to take the leap and join AdFreeShows.com. The recent WWE Hall of Fame announcement regarding Eric Bischoff was huge and some would say way overdue. And believe it or not, the first live event he requested 
was an interactive Zoom call with every member of the ad-free shows community. The best part? His wife, Lori Bischoff, joined as well, and they both chatted directly with many of our members. Take a listen as Lori shares what Eric being in the Hall of Fame means to her. Um, I am I am on cloud nine all this week. Something has happened that has been long awaited and well deserved. And um, you probably most of you know that we have we will be celebrating our 37th wedding anniversary this summer. And um, and we were together a couple years before that. So we've been on this whole journey together. Uh, our, our story began before wrestling uh, you know, that, that part of the story. So, uh, I've been along for an amazing ride and it has been quite the, um, magical journey. It's been sort of like going to the fair <laughs> and you just, you know, between the roller coaster and the house of mirrors and, and you know, the spin art and all the, all the goodies that come with it. Don't forget uh, the horror show. You got to throw in the horror show. <laughs> no, no, no real horrors. Just lots of, uh, just lots of thrill rides, but but it's been amazing, and I'm so proud of him, and and I can't wait to be there to to see this all unfold, and and it's good time now. It's a really good time. So he's he's my guy, and I knew this was going to happen. It was just a matter of time, and I'm really proud of him. Thank you, babe. As a result of being a part of this experience firsthand, we had many people decide to level up. Member Matt Whitaker said as a result of that experience alone, he made the decision to be a top guy and is not looking back. So become a member today and enjoy all the interactive events and exclusive shows over at adfreeshows.com. So I guess my question is, coming into WrestleMania, did you guys already have Hunter lined up in your mind to win the King of the Ring that year? I don't know that we did. I don't know that we had completely decided by that point. Does he win? Or I guess he didn't win that year, so it wouldn't have mattered. But did he become the favorite to win based on his professionalism and how he handled this situation? I, you know, it may have been in the back of the mind, not specifically, no. Okay. So let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, the Observer. They write the Huckster Nacho Man billionaire t- billionaire Ted skip match will be on the pregame show, which pretty much removes the legal threats from the from that skit. By using the likeness of Hulk Hogan, Ted Turner, and Randy Savage, all owned or controlled by WCW as part of an endeavor in which the public pays for it, which the pay-per-view falls into, but a free show doesn't, they would open themselves up for potential legal action down the road. So the idea is there was a match originally promoted that's going to have Nacho Man and Huckster and Billionaire Ted in a match on the pay-per-view. Now it's the pre-show. Did the possibility of litigation, since you guys were already thinking that way, cross your mind? No, really and truly, the whole thought process behind it was, goddamn, let's just get get over with this and move on. And no one was going to buy the pay per view for that. No, correct. And it was it was more along the lines of just let's get it over with, put it on the pre show, be done with it, and just be done. So by this point, you guys were just frustrated with the whole thing, but knew you had to have a payoff. So let's just get it yes. over with. Okay. Is that yeah. one of those deals in hindsight where it seemed like a good idea on paper, but then it was just a fart in church. Like nobody cares. Well, what it, are we doing? It, it's, it's, it's funny, maybe one or two times, but then it just became, okay. Yeah. We're over what? it. Yeah. 
We should also mention the uh, February 19th episode of raw. See Steve Austin's personality be referred to by Vince McMahon as stone cold. He drops the ringmaster gimmick a week later. Boy, Vince was pretty good at foreshadowing. Was he not? Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying it's fun to see what a coincidence, how all these seeds are being sown, right? Later this year, the rock is going to debut at survivor series. Here, just before WrestleMania, the ringmaster is dropped. Now he's stone cold. The night after WrestleMania, ta-da, here's Mankind. There's a lot of moving parts here. It's an interesting yes, time for the and company. Yes, there are. And it was under the, the, the new and let's, let's change. And we're, you know, Razor and Diesel are moving on. Well, we got these guys right behind them. Mark Henry also debuts on a March edition of Raw. This feels like a Vince hire. Like Vince would have been really, really high on, Hey man, this guy's going to be in the Olympics. We got a shot to have an Olympian on the roster. Uh, and, and, and look at that big bastard. You know, I could just see Vince saying that was Vince a big advocate for Mark or was that a Briscoe hire? No, Vince was a huge advocate for Mark because Terry Todd, who was Mark's manager and trainer from the university of Texas had done the article on Andre, the giant for sports illustrated years and years before. And Terry, had always kept in contact with Vince and vice versa and says, Hey, I've got, you know, the world's strongest man. Mark Henry is, you know, they do a combined lift to determine who the strongest man in the world is. And Vince saw some video of him at a dunk contest where Mark Henry dunked a basketball and did all this shit and saw Mark as an athlete and potential to medal in the Olympics. So, we, uh, definitely were, we were looking at Mark for a long, long time. Let's talk a little bit about, um, Roddy Piper. He announces that Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Of course, that's the world title match since Brett's the champ and Sean won the rumble. It's going to be an iron man match. And he announces that the person who wins the most falls during the course of that hour wins the WWF world championship. This is a Pat Patterson idea. As best I recall, this was a Pat Patterson idea, and this was something that, that Pat had envisioned and really wanted to to do at a WrestleMania, and thought that there were no two better talent uh, in the world to pull it off. We haven't seen an Iron Man match main event a pay per view since. It is in hindsight, was that a stipulation that was better on paper than an execution? I thought the execution was flawless. I thought it was great. I, I don't think that the, especially today in this environment, I don't know that the audience uh, attention span there you go is is going to really want to sit there for an hour and watch a match. And um, but I thought that the execution of it was flawless. I know we're going to get some pushback, but I've always thought that the stipulation of an Iron Man match feels anticlimactic. Like for instance. I'm an NBA fan, but you could just turn into the you know last five minutes of a playoff game and it's going to come down to the wire. You don't have to watch the rest. Here it comes. So in an yeah, Iron but Man, if you're a NBA fan, most people want to watch the game. I'm not arguing that I'm not arguing that at all, but I think what's great about wrestling and all contact sports, wink, wink. So like boxing UFC, you're on the edge of your seat thinking it could happen at any minute, but the match won't be over at any minute. The match will be over in 60 minutes. So there may be falls along the way, but I do think the enjoyment and the, the psychological engagement is different for an Iron Man. Do you disagree? 
I think that, uh, again, depending upon how you tell the story and the way that the story was told with no falls and the anticipation of one yeah. was, was something that hadn't been done before. So you, you didn't have that. Um, okay, we're up one to two, two to one, one, you know, oh my God, three. And then you got to catch up. We took that out of the equation <coughs> to God damn, is anybody going to score a fall? And, and then you start asking, what if they don't? Right. So well, it was a different way to present it. I, again, chocolate and vanilla, yogurt or ice cream. Or gelato, you know, pick your poison. Um, I thought it was a great way and a different way to present. I guess my follow-up to that is, since we we know that this idea for an Iron Man was Pat's idea, does Pat present the initial idea with, but then neither one of the douchebags gets a pin. <laughs> it goes to overtime at a pace. Does he pitch that at the same time? What's that? Does he pitch that on the initial pitch that... Hey, the, yes, because okay. in, in Pat's mind, it was like, you know, these two, these two go for an hour and you don't have a winner and never it. been done. So Brett has always said the build up for WrestleMania 12, because they did a great job here. I think most of the folks listening to this are around my age and we, for the most part, love Rocky four and those silly training montages, man, they're just great stuff. And so we see Sean doing all these, you know, calisthenics and really cool training exercises with Jose Lothario. But Brett has said he's the old guy running in Calgary in his sweatsuit and rolling around, getting stretched by his dad in the dungeon. Meanwhile, we're showing, showing Sean basically doing footloose. He's being young and athletic in hindsight. Do you think he has a, a valid case there? Or was it more about just the legacy and, and the story of, Hey, he's from the great North and his dad trained everybody in the dungeon. Everybody knows that let's show it. Well, they're, they're close to the same age. Eh, maybe not. Um, but it was about as close to reality as you could get. It is. So, I mean, is Brett arguing that he wanted to do footloose and it was, it was authentic. It was the real thing. That is what Brett was doing. That is how people saw Brett and Brett was portrayed and portrayed himself. I think he's and just, that is what Sean was doing. Thinking in hindsight that. Sean's training video looked for lack of a better word, cooler. I can't help that. Uh, okay. Let's talk about diesel. I just produce them. Diesel's starting to show a little bit of edge here. Uh, he's flipping off wrestlers on TV. He's saying he's going to kick the undertaker seven foot ass. This sort of seems aggressive for this era of the WWF. Why the change here? Was this deliberate? Is this something he's doing on his own? Can you talk to us about that? No, it was deliberate and it was to give uh, Diesel an edge and just to, you know, throw in a little bit more mm, edge is a perfect word, but more reality and a little bit uh, unpredictability. So it was, let's give Diesel's character a little bit more of a darker edge to it. And we hadn't done it. Not everybody was doing it. I know that, um, Diesel's going to lose his match with the undertaker, but just like I asked with Sean or razor, I don't know why I keep saying that if razor wouldn't have given notice, he would have beaten gold dust and become intercontinental champion again. But instead, uh, he's not on the card calling audible pipers in there had diesel not given notice. 
is there a chance that diesel fresh off of main eventing WrestleMania the prior year would have beaten the undertaker. And before you answer, I know our listeners are thinking, oh, that would have ended the streak. The streak wasn't a thing in 96. Nobody was talking about the streak in 96. Right. The streak wasn't a thing. And that was definitely a possibility, it, but it, I don't, it's just fun to think about the, what ifs, like if one thing changes it all change. Cause like if he doesn't leave, does the whole street conversation ever even happen? If he wound up getting a win, because it feels like you would have wanted him to win to make him strong for Sean the next month on pay-per-view. So when you think about it that way, okay, he beat the undertaker. So now he, uh, he's in line for a title shot. He cheated to win. So maybe we'll do some house show rematches, but we got to keep him strong for Sean the next month. But if he beats the undertaker right there, that streak it's gone before we ever got it going. Yep, exactly. Yeah. The streak wasn't even entered into the, into yeah. the conversation. Yeah. Uh, real quick is Bret Hart's. You start the fire. One of the best music videos the company ever did at that point. I thought it was tremendous, you know, again, and it, and it, to me, it told the story of Bret. you right. go back and you look at it and, and that was Bret. I, um, I, I gotta ask, I feel like we say it a lot. Is that Sahadi? Is that pooch? Who's probably doing like these? Chris chambers and those guys putting okay. that stuff together. Uh, Jose Lothario being Shawn Michaels manager. Is this sort of classic Rocky storytelling? Is he, is he Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, Mick? It was, and it was also, you know, as you, you look at it, it was a way to give back to Jose. Uh, for training Sean and man, you know, we, we looked at it and I got to admit from my standpoint, Jose was a huge star back in his time, in his day, um, in Houston, he, he walked on water and different parts of the country. You know, Michael Hayes made the argument, Jose wasn't over in Dallas. Okay. Wasn't over in Dallas. Right. Um, at one point he was right. um, before the Freebirds were there. He definitely was over in Dallas. He was over in San Antonio. He was over in Florida and uh, Puerto Rico and Mexico <laughs> and, and everywhere that Jose worked. Jose always worked on top. Um, he did train Shawn Michaels. It, and again, it was a real story of Brett going back to his dad and going back to his roots, Shawn going back to his roots and, you show the different, you show the different styles of how they prepare for the match and still get to the same place. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing, waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever to the naked eye trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are. And they can't stop quickly. And even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop by that time. It's too late. And the result is a potential deadly crash. The point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. And even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. Let's talk about Mark Merrow and Sable. They're going to sign with the company here in the first quarter of the year. And I think you've told the story before that when Vince meets Rena, he thinks, oh man, we got to do something here. 
but we've also heard over the years that Vince really liked the Johnny B bad character, but that's a Turner property, not something he could actually do. But you, you also said just a few minutes ago, you had plans for him and Hunter on the other side. So we're going to see Sable, you know, escort Hunter to the ring and all that jazz. What can you tell us about what your, your hopes were when they first come in and were they aligned with Vince's or is this one of those where Vince is like, you don't see it. I'm going to prove you wrong or whatever. Well, nobody had seen it. Right. You know, all anybody had ever seen of Mark Merrill was Johnny B bad. Right. No one had ever seen Mark Merrow. And while Mark was a really nice guy and personable, the Johnny B. Bad character was over the top. It was flamboyant. It had charisma. And playing that character was something that Mark Merrow did well. Playing Mark Merrow on screen, I don't, didn't do well. Because that that person didn't have the charisma of Johnny B. Bad. Didn't have the presence of Johnny B. Bad. And everything that Mark tried to do to bring out some of those Johnny B. Bad characteristics came across as forced and not genuine. The eyes and, and the, all that shit. It just didn't feel real. There was nothing about it that felt real. And then you realize when you go back and, and you're watching shit, it, it's why if someone would send a, a tape, you know, here's my work and it's a highlight tape, throw it in the trash. Yeah. Cause all that tells me is you can't do anything else other than a couple of big moves, flip flop and fly and yeehaw. Great. Send me a match. You're doing a job. Right. <laughs> Show me how you can work. Show me how you can tell a story. Um, send me a promo, not clips of 10 different promos. Tell me a story. And, you know, you, you kind of look back and go, God damn, we were infatuated with Johnny B. Bad. Not the guy playing Johnny B. Bad. And we got the guy playing Johnny B. Bad. I think it was Chris Hero who I heard say something like, uh, Back then, the way to send a tape to get noticed was you would send a babyface promo and a babyface match that you won, and then you would send a heel promo and a heel match that you lost. But you had to show your range that, hey, I can do everything, and let me show you a full promo and the match that goes with it and another full promo and a match that goes with it, one where you win, one where you lose. Would that still be the strategy these days, or would you recommend something different? I mean, that, that definitely, that definitely helps. I think nowadays in the era of YouTube and what have you, you send links of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> of, yeah, yeah, of, course. of my highlight shit. Um, but I, I think that the business has changed too, quite a bit where we don't have an opportunity to tell long stories and matches and what have you. Um, you got to display that you have a personality and you've got some charisma and you can talk a little bit. Uh, then it was, you didn't know these people. There was no internet. You didn't, you didn't have the opportunity to go and search. The only thing that you had is what they sent you most of the time. And for Mark Merrow, all you had seen was what he had done on WCW. Also too, you know, I, I know we're sort of talking in circles here, but I've heard other folks say that, you know, anybody could have a great 20 minute match, but can you show that you're a star in a TV match? That's, you know, four, six, eight minutes. That's probably important too, right? I mean, the WWE is a television company 
I, I mean, sure. I know they do a lot of other stuff, but if you can only really look like a star in 38 minutes, you're, you're probably not ready for TV, right? It depends if you can, if you can do both and right. you probably want to show both. There you go. But when you can only do one or the other, it's tough. Yes. Well, which one was Hakushi better at? Because he finishes up around this time. What was the big miss about him? Because the hardcore fans listening to this absolutely loved his stuff. I would say his name, but I know you'd say, God bless you or Kazuntite. So <laughs> Hakushi, why was it a miss in hindsight? Wow. I just don't think that Hakushi ever connected with the audience. And I was a big fan of Hakushi. I loved his look. I loved his work, but I think that there was a bit of a style conflict and, uh, didn't really gel all the time with everybody. Not just anybody could work Hakushi style and or vice versa, but I just don't know that Hakushi ever really connected with the audience. It is fun to think about from my perspective. What if he could have hung around and been an opponent for some in your house match against Shawn Michaels when Shawn was the world champ. Hakushi and Shawn could have had a great match, I think. Yeah, I think they they probably could have. I thought that Hakushi and Brett had good matches, yeah. but but then it, at the same time Brett ate him up. Right. It's a different style and it, you know, just a different um you know, the, the Japan style when that's all you have done is is different. It's kind of like lucha. It's different and you have, you have to be able to incorporate it into what you're doing with who you're working with. You guys had in prior years done like a, uh, I don't guess it was called access just yet, but it was like a big fan fest, like a wrestling convention around WrestleMania. You didn't do one here for 12. Was Vince not sold on the idea Were the others not successful or was it just a function of, we didn't have the space. Two things. A, we didn't have the space. The convention center uh, space was extremely expensive and and very large, and they really weren't working with us that much. And it, the cost of doing it and bringing everyone that you needed, you go back and look at the early ones, the staffing of that was a lot of office staff. The cost of bringing that staff and or having to hire a staff on – the West coast, it just was cost prohibitive in years past. You've told us that, you know, sky dome and certainly the Coliseum, they made presentations to you guys about why you should bring WrestleMania here. But you've also said that it was years after this show here in 96 at WrestleMania 12 until folks started to sort of bid on the thing. And you guys actually started getting paid to bring the show there. This is in that down period where nobody was really clamoring for it and you had to negotiate the best deal you could. Yeah. The, uh, you know, and again, this was more of a, it was WrestleMania, right? but in, in many ways it was just another pay-per-view as far as the presentation. Yes, it was WrestleMania and yes, you did bring in people from all over the world for that event. It took time for it to grow into the, the mega event that it became. In the final run up to WrestleMania here, the company would sell out Madison square garden for the first time since WrestleMania 10, but it's also the first house show it's sold out since the mid eighties. And you've got Bret Hart teaming with the undertaker to take on Shawn Michaels and diesel on top. Was this a sign to everyone that business might actually be turning around? Business was kind of turning around in live events. And you know, the, the hope is okay. Now with we're losing Brett. We're losing uh, Diesel and Razor. 
you got to capitalize and hopefully that's why the mankind's coming in and stone cold versus the ringmaster and wild man, Mark Marrow and the warrior. So you're, you're looking at what's going to replace that and, you know, trying to build in that three month period, we'll call it January, February, March. Is this the most eventful run up to mania ever at this point? Did any WrestleManias after it even compete? I mean, when you're talking about, you know, Mark Marrow's coming in and, uh, mankind's coming in stone Cold's changing his name, the warriors back, uh, Roddy Piper's back just on and on. It feels like, man, there's a lot of moving parts here in the first quarter of the year. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case with any WrestleMania before or after. Yeah, I'm going back trying to think. And with the exception of probably WrestleMania nine, yeah. where, you know, you had Yoko was new and Brett was different and new. Um, probably not. And, and not only that leading up to it, but the change that was coming afterwards. Yeah. With razor out and diesel. Out. Yes. I mean, there's so many, it's just, it, I've, I've been so excited to cover this one for a long time and I'm glad we waited until the 25 year anniversary. We're going to get to the pay-per-view before I do though. I want to ask, uh, was there any hesitation about putting Sean and Brett on for 60 minutes on top? I mean, I know no. that Pat was sold was Vince sold. We've heard, and I don't know if this is fair and I'm sure you're going to set me straight, but we've heard a lot that Vince is not a wrestling fan. I mean, sure. He, he, it's, but it's the backdrop to the stories. He wants to tell, he wants to make movies and tell stories and he's into the characters. And that is what WWE is, but this is 60 minutes of wrestling. Did he think given that his bread and butter was like a, a seven, eight minute Hulk Hogan match for so many years at WrestleMania that this was a, a major risk or not so much, not so much. And, and the. I think the myth that Vince isn't a wrestling fan is just a myth, and that's a label that people that don't know him put on him. Right. Let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the way the match or the show was received. Uh, the readers of the Observer gave it sixty eight point seven percent thumbs up, twenty four point eight percent thumbs down, six point four percent thumbs in the middle. You watched it this week for the first time in twenty five years. What do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I'll give it a thumbs up. It was enjoyable. Yeah, I give it a but thumbs up. But it's a nostalgic look at it right now. It's 25 years, but yes, I do. I think for the time, it was fun. Once upon a time, you guys were, were doing a lot of pre-shows and you would call them free-for-alls. So you would go to like the uh, the TV guide channel that shows you, hey, here's what's coming up in the next half hour, hour, or whatever. And almost a picture-in-picture picture view for a lot of those folks would be uh, the pre-show from the WWF. And if you had a different cable provider or a satellite dish, you would just get it full screen. Well, there you would see the nacho man, Hulkster and billionaire Ted, and they do a skit that just dies within seconds. Meltzer would say they aired a tape segment of a high school gym filled with nothing but senior citizens. An even older Huckster came to the ring with a Walker and expired. Nacho man tried to climb the ropes and fell off. And he also expired. And then billionaire Ted talked about how he didn't care that his two biggest stars had died because he could just buy more stars because he can't create them himself. And then a big guy in a black robe came in with the FTC on his outfit. Ted turned around, saw him. He had a heart attack and he's left for dead. Pretty terrible segment. Did you shoot this? <laughs> Who put this together? I did, but it also goes to show you the inaccuracies and ineptness of, uh, Dave Meltzer it was not a high school gym. Okay. Um, again, it's, but it's a little things. 
where was journalist what was it would get right and not just a guy making up shit and writing whatever the hell they want to write okay well that's all i had to go on uh so chat me up what happened it sucked it was terrible it was get through it and um not you know when you look back on it not one of our prouder moments and not anything that you would point back to um and go oh hey remember that i did go oh hey remember that um did you shoot that in la did you shoot it back on the east coast shot in the studio oh okay there you go yeah it was shot in the studio with people from the office i love that they says they're all elderly people uh it's <laughs> just like yeah thanks for paying attention there um David. Hey, so let's talk about your brother. He's got one of the biggest moments of his career. It's always, especially in this era, man, if you got on a WrestleMania, uh, your career was made for a lot of guys because it was held in such high regard. And that's certainly the case here. The body Donna's, including your brother are going to win the tag titles in a tournament final over the Godwins in five minutes and 21 seconds. Phineas would set up skip for the slop drop. Sonny lifts her skirt, shows the panty shot. He's stunned. That allows Skip to win with a schoolboy one star. And by God, Dr. Tom Pritchard as a WWF tag team champion. Even if it's on the pre-show, pretty big time moment for your brother here, huh? Yeah, not as big as being the best man in my wedding, but yeah, pretty big. Was he pumped about this or was your brother so far into his career that it was just another day at the office? You know, I think that both. I think it was another day at the office, but at the same time, as much as he loves the business, I think he was pumped for it. What about, uh, Sonny and Chris, were they pumped? I think so. I sure hope so. But I think at this, by this time with them, that there's a little disillusion, disillusionment. You got it. Is that a word? That's a word. Yeah. I'm going with it. If it is, and I'll make it up and just stick by it. By God, that means they're disillusioned and they have a mint. (laughs) <laughs> so they were just sort of over the major wrestling scene or the politics of the WWF or the schedule or whatever. Yeah. I think they were tired of being Skippy and Sonny. Oh, okay. He wanted to be a badass. Yeah. He wanted to be a tough guy. Yeah. Get your something to wrestle gear at brucepritchard.com and check out boxagimmicks.com, the official something to wrestle store where you can find gimmicks for yourself or the fan in your life. New items added weekly. Let's get to our first match here on the show. Uh, it's Vader teaming with Owen Hart and Davy boy Smith. They're going to pick up a win over Jake Roberts, Ahmed Johnson and Yokozuna. They get plenty of time, 12 minutes and 51 seconds. Vader would pin Roberts with a Vader bomb. Uh, Meltzer would say there were pops for the signature points of the match and for Vader Yoko, but not sustained heat two and a half stars. Originally, this was supposed to be, I believe Vader versus Yoko, but there's some concerns about whether or not Yoko can do a full match. So. Man, if we throw Owen and Davey and Jake and Ahmed, we can get enough camouflage together, right? Yeah, exactly. And it was, this was supposed to be the spotlight for Vader. And unfortunately you didn't have that one single opponent for Vader to dominate. Uh, so you did have to kind of put things around it, but considering the talent that was in there, um, it wasn't horrible. No, it wasn't. I mean, it's also, it's interesting to go back in hindsight and say this and not be joking around, but Ahmed Johnson was over and you guys were yes. pushing him. So you need to have a spot for him on the rumble. 
You're also trying to establish Jake Roberts and his redemption story, a former top star, a legacy performer. Everyone's familiar with. You want to highlight Vader as your new big badass. Yoko just two years ago was in the main event for the world title. I mean, he may have been two WrestleMania, so he has to be there. If you can find a spot for him and what else needs to be said about Owen and Davey, two of the best performers on the whole roster, but it is weird that, Hey, we don't really have anything for all those guys. So fuck it. Throw them in a six man. There you go. <laughs> Next up, we get the first half of the Roddy Piper gold dust match that took place in a Hollywood backlot taped the day before. Meltzer would say after editing the footage aired in a four minute and 23 segment, uh, 23, four minute and 23 second segment. It was basically a collection of movie fighting scenes and was about as good as it could have been. Uh, gold came in driving a gold caddy Piper sprayed it with a water hose and bashed out the windows with a baseball bat. Piper got a few bat shots in smashed gold into a food table and hit him hard with a garbage bin and threw several garbage cans on him. He then sprayed Goldust with the hose, slammed him on the hood of a car, gave him a fist drop on the hood, and Piper's punches were so stiff, he appeared to open up his hand, and Goldust was opened hard way in three possible different spots. He continues to break it down, but it gets rough to the point that there's a low blow, we're ramming Piper into a garbage bin, and then Piper even gets in front of the car, and Goldust basically runs him over, and Piper's holding on to the hood. Uh, And then of course we get the famous silliness where Piper gives chase with a white Ford Bronco, but as they're doing this, this gives, you know, I guess a let me up for what we're about to see. We've talked about this on the gold dust episode and the Piper episode, but let's briefly revisit. What do you remember the backlight brawl when it was shot and how difficult it was to put together? Well, first of all, uh, of course, since we're talking about the, um, person that doesn't know what they're talking about out in California writing this shit. It was done over a week before WrestleMania, uh, shot in the studios. I believe we were at MGM studios, Disney or Disney studios there in California. Uh, Mitch Ackerman in, and Larry Burton, uh, actually got us the use of the studios. If we would use the guy, what the hell was his name? Kevin Conway. From Taxi in Greece. Okay. Okay. And it was like, oh, hey, yeah, you just got to shoot, you know, shoot him and and uh, make sure that he's, you know, seen in the shot or something like that. I go, oh, yeah, okay, we'll get right on that. Um, Jeff, don't worry. It'll Jeff be Conaway. What is it? Jeff Conaway. Jeff Conaway. Um, and it was like, okay, you know, <laughs> so we, took, we shot him. <laughs> Didn't make a lot of the final cut, but you know, this was absolutely brutal because you had two pros uh, in Piper and gold dust who didn't, you know, didn't want to smarten up the Hollywood crowd. Even though we walked through it, you know, and there were people there and shit, they beat the living shit out of each other. Um, Piper broke his wrist, Mm. um, broke it, broke part of his hand in his wrist in the fight. And uh, Goldust, I think, got whacked in the head pretty good with one of those shots. And I I love that, you know, Meltzer talks about how it was a stunt double to do the, the runover scene. Nope. That was Roddy Piper. That was Roddy saying, Hey, come on, man, come, you know, just gun it. Trust me. You know, if, if I don't make it run me over, it'll be great TV. 
And back in those days, we did stupid shit like that. Can you imagine having that conversation now? No. Um, You'd have nine ways from Sunday making sure everyone was protected. But there was faith in Roddy that that Roddy was going to move and he would get out of the way. And the car hit Roddy and hit him pretty good. Um, So all of that stuff, it was absolutely brutal. But I thought it, in the end, I thought it looked great. And it was... It was one of those things that you didn't know what to expect going in. And then after you saw it, it was like, all right, I think that in some ways the audience would have been almost happy with just what they saw at that point. Yeah, I would totally agree. It could have ended right then. Uh, but the, the Ford Bronco, like we've, we've briefly touched on this before. There was even an idea, by the way, if you're not picking up on this, this is right after or not right after, but not too terribly long after the famous or infamous rather OJ Bronco chase. OJ Simpson, of course, was accused of murdering two people, including his ex-wife. And, uh, he, along with his friend, Al went on a slow speed chase through the streets of LA in a white Ford Bronco. So we're going to recreate that here, but that wasn't as far as the OJ talk went for this show, right? No, there was at one point that, you know, uh, Roddy actually wanted to, to fight OJ, <laughs> um, and have that as part of WrestleMania and beat the shit out of OJ. That's what Roddy wanted. Um, you know, we thought about it probably for a few seconds, but America, I don't think would have, would have bought that or, or been interested. I think that, uh, there was enough sentiment on both sides. Those that thought OJ was innocent and, or, um, you know, that were okay with what allegedly happened and those that felt that he was guilty and, and murdered two people and got away with it. Um, he was acquitted and sad, sad story, man, just a sad story on every part. But, uh, the white Bronco was, was there. It was, it was Hollywood and it was California. So let's have some fun with it. And, and there, that, that scene of OJ traveling down whatever highway it was, was so iconic right? that anytime you saw that, you knew what people were talking about. If, if you were talking about ratings back in the day, holy shit, I'd love to know what the ratings were for the uh, Bronco chase because people were glued to the, to their television, wondering what the hell was going to happen. We were going to a, um, Oh man, Train, train, Ricky Medlock. Help me out here. What's the name of his band? Ricky's band. Uh, oh, we were going to a concert. We were going to see Ricky Medlock in, in New Haven. Are you saying Leonard Skinner? He is with Leonard Skinner now, but he had a band. Oh, Blackfoot? Uh, Blackfoot. Thank okay. you. God, I went blank. Well, I was like, I know you're not talking about Leonard Skinner. I mean, you get yeah. your ass kicked not remembering that. Oh, my God. No, I definitely. But, uh, we, we sat in my condo just watching this thing mesmerized. Uh, Taker and uh, uh, Raven. Just, we just sat there watching this thing going, oh, my God, what the, what, you know, what's this ending going to be like? And so the, the White Bronco was iconic. It was. Um, who pushed for that idea? That, I mean, I feel like you're sort of taking credit for that. Uh, I don't, I don't know who the hell came up with that. 
frankly. It was, it was something. It was probably one of those things that were suggested in jest. Right. That then became a real thing. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving here. Steve Austin is going to pin Savio Vega in 10 minutes and eight seconds. The finish would see Vega spin kick the ref who sold it forever. Vega then kicks Austin in the face for a fall, but no ref Ted DiBiase then gets the million dollar belt, gives it to Austin who hits Vega with it twice and then puts on the million dollar dream, but the ref's still out. It's a pretty famous mo- moment here. Ted gets a Coca-Cola from an official and just dumps it right on uh, referee, Tim White's face. Who's now revived sees Vega out signals for the finish. Uh, Meltzer would say both guys worked hard, but there was no heat and the finish died live. The work itself was good in spots and slightly off in other spots. I know we've talked a lot about how Steve Austin really thanks Savio Vega for helping getting him up and going. Uh, Goldust tells the same story that he was very important to the development of his character, but this match here, not the best WrestleMania match Steve Austin ever had. See, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a damn good match. Finish was awkward and not carried out well, but I don't think that was Steve Rosavio's fault. Right. Um, just happened that way. But I thought the match itself was damn good. And again, hell, I'm a wrestling fan, so I enjoyed it because I thought they told a good story and got to where we wanted to get to. Do you think, uh, Steve and Savio were happy with it? I mean, this is right before he's stone cold, stone cold. I mean, it's not too far removed here. I think they were, I think they were because it was, it was a damn good match. I I know they weren't happy with the finish of it. It just, again, felt forever and contrived. Let's, uh, let's talk about what's next. The ultimate warrior is going to pin Hunter Hearst Helmsley in a minute and 38 seconds with three clotheslines, a shoulder block, a press and a splash. Uh, Melzer would say warrior got by far the biggest reaction on the show. When he came out, it was amazing how quiet the crowd got after the ring intro, but since Helmsley did the pedigree right away and warrior didn't sell it and went right to the finish, the crowd picked up right away. Helwig was a little smaller than at his peak, but he's also 39 years old and he was quite a bit larger and more cut when he returned than the last time he gave it a dud rating lot to unpack here. Warrior squashes a young heel. Who's been decently pushed totally obliterates the guy's finish. Um, not exactly a highlight real moment for Hunter Hearst Helmsley's career and what we know he's going to go on to do. Absolutely hated it. Uh, the, the entrance was cool. The entrance with the pyro and the warrior symbol and all that shit was pretty cool. But, uh, beyond that, I hated it. Who put all it's that just, together for y'all? Like the, the, the presentation with the warrior fireworks and all that. We did. Okay. I mean, we did it. We had, you know, obviously somebody built that and did the pyro and shit pyro guys, but, um, that was something that we'd come up with to be able to carry around and be a part of his entrance going forward. Let's, um, I mean, anything else you want to say about this warrior thing? I mean, I got to tell you as a, a non wrestling fan at the time, I didn't get back in for a few more weeks or I guess it was a few more months. Even I was paying attention because the warrior was back. I mean, to your casual fan, your lapsed fan, that's about as big of a name as you could have brought back. Right. I think so. Especially at that time. Yes. And I think there was a big part of the audience, 
that maybe thought they would never see him back. So it was a big deal for him to come back. And uh, Warrior had his fans. Warrior had a fan base. But I just, I hated it. Where were you for this show? Are you on headsets in the back? I was pretty much all around, but I'm pretty sure I was doing gorilla this night. When you see, did you know what the plan was going in? Or, I mean, were you giving heads up that, Hey, the match is shorter now or yes. Okay. Yes. So you're not happy about it, but you probably, I know you, you you may not have loved it, but you kept an open mind until you saw it. And once you saw it, what did you think? I mean, did you immediately think, fuck, we killed that guy. And for, and for something that's probably not sustainable, not a good idea. Or what was Vince's reaction? Uh, Vince watched it on air live. Wasn't right. really happy with it. Um, and I, I was just pissed off about it. I, I felt that it was abusing the fact that Vince wasn't, wasn't there backstage and it was, it was not, it wasn't good. I didn't think it, I didn't think that it did really much for warrior. If warrior just beat a piece of shit, then he just beat a piece of shit. If he beat a guy that, you know, um, was out there and gave him some kind of challenge, then it would have been a bigger win. Um, so for me, I just was, I was not happy. I knew it beforehand and I, I was not happy with it when they went to the ring and I was even less happy when they came back. Um, so didn't like it. Didn't, I hated it. Can you verbalize what you didn't like about it? What you hated it? I thought it was just squash hunter and didn't, didn't do anything. If that's all we were going to do, we could have just said, Hey, warrior returns at WrestleMania and send Mario Mancini out there to do that. Let's talk about, um, the next match here. It's a segment that doesn't air to the live audience, but they're doing an interview introducing wild man, Mark Marrow, who did a heel interview until Helmsley comes out and the two start arguing and fighting Helmsley, then blame the fight on the woman who they called Sable that accompanied to the ring that night. What'd you think of this? I mean, okay, we squashed him, but we're giving him something to do, but we're also introducing a new character. What'd you think of this uh, vignette or skit? Well, to me, at least it gave, it gave Hunter something back a little bit. And for Marrow, this was his introduction and it was okay. But more than anything, I think that that, that night, (laughs) you know, it's like, I felt really bad for Hunter because it, it just was, um, not a great day. Tell me a little bit about the relationship he had with Sean. We know the year prior Hunter's hanging out backstage. Uh, I think Terry Taylor recommends that he uh, try to ride with Kevin Nash and Sean Michaels. They become fast friends. They're off to the races. They're the click now, uh, for lack of a better word, Sean is going to be the top guy here. It's his crowning moment, but he's obviously pulled in a lot of directions and, and, and he's waiting for his sort of crowning moment this night. Is he giving any pushback to the way his pals being treated here? Or is that not yet a thing? That's, I mean, on for that. No. Okay. 
Uh, next up, we get the undertaker and diesel, uh, undertaker pins diesel in a long match, 16 minutes and 46 seconds with a tombstone. Meltzer would say the match was slow moving and didn't have much heat, but it was better than you'd expect considering who was involved. Diesel basically pounded undertaker for most of the match. Finally, he used his jackknife, then smirked forever, allowing undertaker to sit up. He did it again. And then when he went back for the pin, undertaker grabbed him by the throat. Diesel used the back suplex and undertaker sat up again. Undertaker then finished off diesel with a nice flying clothesline, a choke slam and the tombstone two and a quarter stars. What'd you think in hindsight? Was this too long or you dug it? No, I, I, I thought it was fine. This was a much anticipated match against two of the biggest stars in the company and they delivered and it was a WrestleMania caliber match from the buildup to it. Marquee wise and the match itself, I thought delivered. Fair or unfair, Kevin Nash earned a reputation in WCW for not always being easy to do business with. Was he easy to do business with here? He's another guy I used to hear say, Hey man, I didn't know what type of year I was going to have until I got my WrestleMania payoff. So with that in mind, I seem to think he'd be on his best behavior here at WrestleMania. Am I wrong? I wouldn't say he was on his best behavior at all. There, there was, you know, bitching about the size of their pictures in the program or something like that. Um, day of WrestleMania. And it's like, come on, are you serious? Um, it was little things like that, that just didn't, what should have been a much smoother, um, match. I just think was marred with little, uh, petty stuff at the end of the day. Um, diesel went out and delivered and I thought did a damn good job in the, in the ring getting there sometimes can be more difficult than it has to be. How great was the, the camera shot when Diesel's laying in the middle of the ring after the match is over and you've got that wide shot and it's zooming out. That's, I don't know why, but that shot still sticks out to me from this show. Told a lot of stories. It really did. Do you know, I mean, at this point was Taker the locker room leader. We know he would become in later years. Was he already, um, sort of the enforcer, the godfather of the locker room, if you will. And how was he with the way. Sean and uh, I keep saying it. Razor and Diesel had handled their business. You know, Taker's Taker, and Taker's a pro through and through. So the way that he handled it and getting the match in the ring was good. The fact that he allowed outside forces to kind of get in his head a little bit, um, it's a, it's just a shame. But it, at the end of the day, Undertaker was able to go out and perform and have a hell of a performance in a marquee match in a marquee show. So to that, you know, kudos to him. Let's talk about the next skit, man. During the show, they continually show scenes of the OJ chase, uh, trying to put over that it was, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. No, that was, we actually had a helicopter that was following Bruce. Come on. I love well, you just trying to sell the shit, grinning ear to ear. Uh, so when Goldust arrives to the building to pick up Marlena, he bumps into Pat Patterson, who was either back there just for the weekend or back involved in booking, depending on who you talk to. So that's directly from the observer. I guess this was of one of, is. I guess that's one of, um, Meltzer's, uh, or, or one of Pat's, uh, what'd you go? What was the word you used? Hiatuses. But you've sort of said before that Pat would often sort of get frustrated because he was getting older and he would say, Oh, I'm too old for this. I'm retired. I'm going home. But then he'd pop back up for the big shows. Right. 
No, this was actually the first show Pat had been to, I think, since he had retired. Okay. And that time. Right. <laughs> the first time. The first big screen TV. But Pat had, you know, been talking to us and been talking to Vince about wanting to do this match. And we I was getting married. Pat and Louie wanted to be there for the wedding. Okay. So he's like, I'm coming to your wedding. I'm going to go to WrestleMania. I just want to watch that match live. Well, instead of watching the match live, the fuck you, Pat, you're going to work. Right. You're going to put that fucking match together. Right. So congratulations. Um, yes, you come on out and have a good time and come to the wedding and watch WrestleMania, but, uh, sprinkle some Pat Patterson dust on it. How hard was this to shoot from a continuity standpoint where you acknowledged we shot the backlight brawl stuff several days prior. And now these guys have to show up in similar condition, which I understand why you sort of wet everything down because that way, if it was raining or wasn't raining, it was wet either way. I get that. But when they show back up, you know, you need, you need someone to have had a photo of gold dust to make sure he sort of looked like he did when that brawl was done and same with Piper, right? Absolutely. And you know, blood dries and turns Brown. So, <laughs> you know, they're in the same clothes. And on top of that, Roddy had a broken wrist and hand. Right. So that was the reason for Roddy, uh, grabbing the tape on the way to the ring so that he could at least tape it up and, and go out and do what he did, uh, to kind of strengthen his wrist and, and hand a little bit there. Um, Cause he obviously didn't have it when we, when we left and Roddy wasn't going to go out with a cast and just say, Oh, well, you know, you know, figure out a way to get that on him. He's like, no, just take it all off and I'll recast afterwards. Was the, the Pat cameo planned? Like, Hey, no, that was Pat being in the fucking way. Okay. <laughs> Not know we're coming through live. I'm just saying sometimes there's an Easter egg, right? No, there's no Easter eggs. Those are fuck ups. Okay. So when they caught you taking the shit in Titan tower last year during COVID that was, you were really just shitting in your full brother. Yes. Here. Okay. All right. I got it. My apologies. Damn. Uh, so Goldust gets on top of Piper, basically saying that. attempting to, uh, screw him and wanting to start kissing him. And, uh, and then he goes to the top rope. Piper shakes the rope. Goldust crotches himself. Goldust comes back with headbutts, kisses Piper, which leads to a Superman comeback. Piper grabs Goldust's crotch, starts squeezing, throws a knee to the groin, starts spanking him. Then he rips the costume off, and we reveal that Goldust was wearing black women's undies. And um, we've talked about this in the Goldust episode. H- how much fun did Vince have with this creative of what if he was wearing negligee? I think that was more, that was probably more us than Vince. <laughs> um, Kind of is, is a, what would gold dust be wearing? Right. And, right. you know, getting all of that out there. So th- that was, yeah, I, I can't give that. I can't pass that one off. That was more of a trying to have fun with it. And, and talent had input on that as well. Let's talk about what's next. It's the main event and it's, um, oh, before I do. Roddy got a cool little moment here with his son, Colton in the ring. And we saw this in more recent years with Colberg and his son. It's kind of a sweet thing. Is this something that was impromptu or did Piper run it past and say, Hey, what if, 
Roddy asked me if he, if he could bring his son in after the ring. And that was something that was really important to Roddy. And I thought it was great. It's very cool. Let's talk about our main event is Shawn Michaels. He's uh, going to achieve the boyhood dream. It's finally coming true. Bret Hart is now, uh, he's the top dog. He's been the top dog for a long time. He's the next Hulk Hogan. Um, they're going to go 60 minutes. There's not going to be a winner. Uh, we got gorilla monsoon in there with, uh, Earl Hebner to uh, sort of the pregame introductions. I liked all that, by the way, the, the, the squaring off explaining the rules. It had a big fight feel to it. It's not something that we saw a lot. Who would have been a big advocate for that and push for it in this era? Conrad, I have no idea what you just asked me. Well, you know, before, you know, normally it's just coming to the ring and then we're done Oh, here in the championship introduction, we get the, the guys oh. and all right, I've spoken to you both and given you instructions in the locker room, you know, all that. That's yeah, like a I boxing that that thing. Was, I think that was kind of a pat idea. You know, let's slow it down. Let's make a big presentation out of this and do something different. Um, and we would always call those championship introductions, right? For the big ones. Well, I like it. Uh, the match itself is phenomenal. Um, friend of the show, TJ Wilson, I think calls this his favorite match ever. And I know a lot of our listeners agree. I think it's maybe the most overrated WrestleMania main event in history, just because, or not just WrestleMania main event, in my opinion, the most overrated match in history. I really like it, but just the psychology, Wait, you think this is the most overrated match in history. I'm not saying it's the worst. I'm saying it's the most, the idea that anyone could say this is the best match ever is just fucking laughable to me. Like there's no chance. Oh my God. And I'm not criticizing the work. I just hate the psychology of the Iron Man thing. I think if you remove that and they just do it, it's fine. But the Iron Man thing just takes me out of it. It's like, all right, I'll tune in with 59 minutes. Like I'll see the last minute. I'll know what happened. Cause I think I order a pay-per-view Bruce and I know you're making fun and I can see you rolling your eyes at me, but when I watch a Mike Tyson fights, man, I want to see who wins. I want to see the finish to this thing. I want to see somebody get knocked out. Wow. I watch UFC the same way. Like, Oh, look, a cool go-go plata. Always oh, passing the guard. I don't give a shit about that. Tap a motherfucker out, knock him out. That's what I'm here to see. I want to see a finish. And so when we go 60 minutes and we don't get a finish. What's the, I mean, you used to use an analogy about Vince. You know, he just, he didn't want to build to a finish. He just wanted to finish for an hour. Well, I mean, this had no finish, but it did have a finish. I didn't like the finish. Okay. Well, that's you. You're wrong. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Listen, people take me to task for this all the time on Twitter. Send me your hate tweets. Ah, hey, Hey, it's Conrad. You guys do the overtime announcement. I like the idea of that, by the way, because it gives Brett a little bit of heat. This has been broken down a lot over the years. Um, what do you think of that creative of having Brett be able to take the angle of, Hey, wait a minute. I won according to the rules. Now we're changing the rules. I loved it. Cause it's, it's exactly what Brett would do. And it was logical. Hey man, it's a draw champion. Keep stays champion on a draw. You couldn't beat me. Then you go. Okay. Still an Iron Man match. We're gonna we're gonna go to sudden death rules now. First person to score falls winner. Uh Mel's word right. Hart left with the belt, but Gorilla Monsoon told the ref to restart the match with a sudden death stipulation, which had never previously been advertised. The pop for that announcement was shockingly tepid. 
You agree with that? There wasn't, it does. It did feel like they expected a big, yeah. And it wasn't really there. Was the crowd just exhausted by that point? I think the crowd was exhausted, but I also think that the, uh, announcement could have been bigger, done a little bit better, bigger, bigger. Yes. So in the overtime, Sean immediately hits two super kicks, gets the pin in a minute 52 celebrates in the ring for several minutes afterwards, nearly choking up, uh, in the celebration, Michaels would kiss Helen Hart and hug Brett's son blade. Brett walked out of the ring at the finish rather than doing the, uh, symbolic in ring passing of the torch. Meltzer gave it four and a quarter stars. You've called this 60 minute match here, essentially a tribute to Pat Patterson. Is that still the best way to describe it? Yeah, I think so. And I, I also say it's a tribute to the to the great work of Sean and Brett. I, anyone that is a fan of wrestling would watch this match and go, holy shit. Those two are are the best, you know, they they were the best of the time and, and the best of the era and definitely I just thought it was great. I loved the story that they told. Um, Brett talks about being an artist on that night. He was fucking Rembrandt. Yeah. Um, and Sean, you know, everything about it to me was just magnificent from Sean doing the, the life slide and all that stuff. Um, incredible, incredible shit. Meltzer was at the show and reported that he saw the crowd leaving during the match. Do you think those are just the, the same? whole crowd left? All of them left. Oh, he didn't say that, but listen, my dad and I are guilty of this. Sometimes, you know, we want to beat the traffic, you know, Alabama gets up 21, nothing. We're like, oh, let's just beat the traffic. Do you think it's more of that? Or was the crowd perhaps since we acknowledge he got the biggest announcement or the biggest pop, they were there to see WrestleMania and they were really excited to see the return of the ultimate warrior. And Hey, I've seen 40 minutes of this. Okay. I get it. They're good wrestlers. Let's beat the traffic. I think that for a live, for the live event audience, a crowd that was there, they, I don't think had the drama of, you know, what's going to happen in the commentary telling you what's going to happen and not knowing to them, the match is over. Right. So it took, you know, it could have taken, could have been done a lot quicker with Gino and, and get in there and the announcement could have been better. Talk to me a little bit about Brett and what he's going to do afterwards, him taking time off after the match that really sells the impact of the match. Of course, we know he's going to go work on lonesome dove and all that, but I thought him taking a step away after this really, I don't know, made this seem even bigger, right? Absolutely. And it, it, it gave a finality to it. And one of, Hey kids, here's the new guy go. And you don't have an old guy to compare him to. I think Brett has, uh, way back when used to bring up fairly repeatedly that Shawn Michaels is telling Earl Hebner here after the match to tell Brett to quote, get the fuck out of the ring. And you can go back and even see his lips and sort of read his lips and see that's what he's saying. Do you remember hearing about that then? Or was it years later before that ever comes up? I don't remember hearing about it then, you know, I've heard about it since, but that was also just, you know, Hey, we, we gotta go. And you also had time constraints in, and we needed to get the beauty shot of Sean. I see. Let's go. I got you. So let's jump to some fan questions. Uh, there's no way we'll get to them all, but we do want to hit a few here. Um, 
Michael Burgett says, how was the match laid out between Piper and Goldust, and how would it have been if razor had been in the match or would there have been a difference? That's a good question. Would the match, obviously we know razor would have won, but with the exception of the finish, everything else was pretty much what you were going to do. You think as far as Piper and Goldust? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what we wanted to do. Okay. Um, SV zero two one four says I'm watching the Iron Man match right now. And I noticed it's one of, if not the only time that Hebner spoke in a match, uh, was it his accent and pronouncing it wrestling that kept this from happening more often? Feels like that would have been a sore spot for Vince. Oh yeah. Because we, we heard from the referee so much. Well, no, I guess this the question is one off. We didn't hear it from him again. Off. Oh yeah. But I'm saying again, we didn't often do the championship introductions. As you like to say, we didn't see this type of thing happen again in the future. Did this, did Vince just not like it? Did you see it before that? No. Okay. It was special. It was, it was one night. I don't think that, you know, again, sometimes you're looking at timing constraints and, and how you can present something and just a different way to present it. I don't know that it really mattered one way or the other. Jumpman says, were there any celebrities considered to be a part of the show, given its closeness or its proximity to Hollywood? It's one of the few earliest manias without celebrity involvement. And I know you told that Jeff Conway, (laughs) (laughs) but seriously, in years prior, you would try to load it up as many as you could The, the year prior at 11, my God, you had 38, I don't know, different levels, I guess, uh, celebrities, almost none here. What's up with that? Yeah, I think this was during the time of Vince saying, hey, we're going to focus on our on our talent. Our talent are going to be the stars of WrestleMania. You did have Ted Turner there, so that counts for something. There you go. Uh, Mike, Jeff Conaway. <laughs> who could forget? Uh, yeah. you, you loved him so much, you forgot his name and called him uh, something else. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. Uh, Michael wants to know, was the boyhood dream line planned, or is that Vince just going with the moment? Uh, that's a shoot. I mean, it was a boyhood dream of Shawn Michaels. That's, that's what he always dreamed of his whole life. I guess the idea is it's, uh, it's become such an iconic call. The boyhood dream has come true that over the years, you wonder, do different commentators sort of have a, a closing or a go home or a signature line in mind? Was Vince the type of guy to do that or just shoot from the hill? No, no. Okay. I mean, what's in front of him feel. Uh, Chris wants to know how closely were Vince and yourself keeping an eye on Austin around this time. Austin has said that he didn't feel like at this time he was even very visible. It was almost like Vince's attitude was he didn't want to be the ringmaster. Fuck it. Let him try something else. I don't care. I think that's, I think Steve could have gotten that feeling, uh, from Vince and I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all that Vince had, I mean, that Steve had that feeling about Vince. However, uh, there were plenty of us that saw the potential in Steve Austin and thought, you know, this guy is going to be huge. By He's got to have the platform. By the way, I guess we should plug it. There's a whole special coming up on a and E talking about the rise of stone cold, Steve Austin, and his incredible run. I think those start April 18th. Is that right? On a and E, uh, something like that. Yeah. So check your just, local just watch the ones that I'm in. Well, you're in that one. I saw a preview oh. for it and it's badass. I mean, I'm like ready for it. I, do I look good. Well, no, you look like you. Uh, but you said a lot of great stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll do two last ones. Then we'll wrap things up. Rajiv wants to know, did you like having the show logo on the mat or a clean mat with nothing on it? I like a clean mat with nothing on it. And I love the logo there. 
I, think I hate cool. him. It's too noisy. It takes away from the match. Uh, this is the first year I remember you guys cutting up the canvas and selling pieces of it framed with Shawn Michaels. Were you working with a different merchandise company that pitched that? And that's the reason you did the logo map. Cause you would do that for years after. That was the Barry Dedinsky first thing that we ever did where it was, you know, from an event. I got you. It, it feels like a home shopping network type tie in. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now the real question everybody wants to know. We got to talk about the entrance. Shawn Michaels has one of the most famous entrances in wrestling history, and we've all seen it, but the real story is Vince did it the day before, I think. And we even hear, and I know we don't talk about current stuff, but last year before WrestleMania, he took Gronk's big bump. And I don't know, in his seventies, Vince is a fucking crazy person. What can you tell us? That about? he is. What can you tell us about him taking the zip line ride here? Whose idea that was, who tried to talk him out of it, any of that stuff? Well, um, I tried to, I tried to do it. You did. Oh yeah. I was up there with Vince and Sean when Vince did it. And thank God I didn't do it. No um, shit. The, the crazy thing about it was, was they, you know, got Vince all harnessed up. And when Vince went, what no one accounted for was he was damn near in line for the lighting trusses. Oh, and man, I'm sitting up there because Vince like kicked away and I'm thinking motherfuckers. Didn't anybody like consider this before he like got on this and and his weight brought everything down and all this shit. Shouldn't a stunt man have done this first to show Vince wants to do it first. Great. Wait, wait, he did it before a stunt man did it. There was no stunt man to do it. Oh. Vince just wanted to do it. Make sure it was safe. Put it on me. The guy, cause the guy assured him, he goes, oh yeah. He goes, we do this, you know, with the guy all the time at whatever games. And, um, it's like, okay, I'm going to do it before Sean does it. And I wanted to do it. I was like, okay, well I'm going to go second or third. And then I saw him do it. And I was up there on the perch. I was up, like up there where they, they drop off and I'm terrified of heights, Yeah, which is kind of why I wanted to do it. Um, well, Anna, you could have gotten out of getting married. It's double. I'm very happy. I got married. Yeah. Yeah. 25 blissful years. What's that for the razors? Except for the razors this morning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I even got, even got her gift down here as well. You just grabbed your crotch when you said that. Why'd you do that? Conrad, you said I got her gift right here. I saw you do it. You didn't see no, it's underneath my desk. It's not a big PP, but I saw it. I saw your hand wiggle the whole deal. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> when you just looked away, by the way, 25 blissful years. Um, you and I won't make it. Is there a question? Years. Oh, so no, I did want to do it. And then, uh, but I saw Vince did it. I was like, going, I saw fast that like, when you dropped off that fucker, you were going. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm good, man. Go ahead go ahead and let crazy man do it. And hey, Sean, that's what you're going to do. <laughs> you know? Is it important to Vince to show that I'll never ask you to do something I won't do myself? He never will. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and he, he will do it. Just he'll jump in there and do it. Throw caution to the wind every single time. Let's talk about um, backstage after the big match. We've seen footage that, uh, Brett raced backstage, jumped in a car and took off. That was just for the camera shot. He came right back to the building and showered and all that jazz. Right. Or was he gone? Gone? No, he left. So 
when, when Sean comes back through the curtain, is there a big standing ovation and all that jazz that we've seen sometimes behind the scenes? Or was that not the case here at 96? No, not really. Uh, were, were WrestleMania after parties, a thing here in 96. And if so, what do you remember? Because this would have gone off the air early by California times. So you could have still had some nightlife. Yeah. I don't even remember nothing that stands out. Well, you were probably busy worried about getting married, but I just didn't know if you remembered anything. Not really. Else. It was pretty easy. I do. She do. We do. Let's go. Let's go party. Okay. So n- no follow-up from WrestleMania 12, as far as after that night or anything. No, you know, not, not really. I, I, if you go back and you look at the, the video and it's out there somewhere, like one of the first people that, that confronts Brett when he came back. And I think I said, good match, brother. Vince busted my balls about that for years. Good match, brother. What the fuck? Um, but the idea was we had a camera, you know, follow him all the way out. Brett stayed at a different hotel. Brett was gone. He left. That was Brett's idea. You've told that. You've told us before, like, um, after WrestleMania six, there was a limo ride and everybody's just kind of quiet. Cause it was such a big moment. How did Vince feel about WrestleMania 12? You know, the, the business was down, but it felt like, man, we're picking up some steam and this there was w- a limo in WrestleMania six. That was in the sky dome, right? Yeah. That was an elevator ride. Okay. An old limo. All right. Well, Fuck. Meltzer Jesus wrote Christ. that. Give me some fucking context here. Tell okay. Me, t- 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 <laughs> tell me if Vince was happy with the goddamn show, and then we'll get out of here. I think Vince was ecstatic with the show. Okay. I think he was very happy with it and thought that, uh, you know, we crowned a new guy and was, was happy with the direction. Was Sean relieved it finally happened? Because it feels like he had to be in a bit of a pressure cooker, given all the context of all that he had been through in his real life, all the stuff with the Marines and. You know, he had been all over the place emotionally. I mean, he quit the promotion and got talked back into coming in and there's been a mess for Sean at times. And now he's been validated. He wanted to be the best in the world and he was, or did it feel like, okay, now the work begins. Not like this is a destination, but now I know I got to re the work starts now. It was a combination of having the entire, uh, weight of the world taken off your shoulders. And then when you came around the corner, here's the rest of the universe. I love that. That's exactly what I was hoping you would say. Well, up next so, is uh WrestleMania 22. Before we run down the card, anything else you want to mention to us about WrestleMania 12? I know you said it was a thumbs up. You're getting married. We've beat it up pretty long for him for a couple hours here. Anything else you want to uh, mention about WrestleMania 12? I thought it was great. Um, I, again, when you go back and you look at it for the time, it delivered a great show and was, uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was damn good for the time. In hindsight, do you wish you would have found a spot for razor on there somewhere? Um, would love to have what my call WrestleMania 22 is our call. That'll be our show next week. I can't believe this is a real thing, um, but we're right upon the 15 year anniversary of that. And it doesn't feel it on top. It's John Cena and triple H. We've also got Tori Wilson working with Candace, Michelle and a playboy pillow fight. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do that these days. We've got Ray, Randy, and Kurt in a three-way for the World Heavyweight Championship. How about this for an attraction? Shawn Michaels versus Mr. McMahon. We've also got a casket match with Mark Henry and The Undertaker. Lots of rumor and innuendo that the streak almost ended right there. We'll also talk about Trish Stratus and Mickey James. We've got the Boogeyman in a handicap match against Booker T and Charmel. 
an incredible hardcore match with edge taking on Mick Foley. JBL will be defending or challenging rather, uh, Sean Michaels for, uh, boy, I'm all over the place. Chris Benoit rather, uh, for the United States championship. There's the money in the bank ladder match that Rick flares in. Yeah. Rick flair, Matt Hardy, Finley, Bobby Lashley, Shelton, Benjamin, and Rob Van Dam. And then a tag team match for the straps. Carlito and Chris masters taking on big show and Kane. Does this feel like it was 15 freaking years ago, dude? feels like it was a hundred years ago. Does it really? Yeah. I don't know. For me, man, it feels like it's like seven, eight years ago, but I guess not. It's 15 years. It's WrestleMania 22. What sticks out in your mind? What do you think we'll talk about when we talk about the all state arena from 15 years ago? God, you know, and, and it's funny. The only thing that sticks out in my mind off the, off the bat is Fit Finley and Ric Flair there to basically hold the ladder for everybody Because <laughs> 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 neither one of them are going to get past the third rung, you know? Um, and that was, that was a joke going into it and it was hilarious. Well, happy anniversary to you and the missus. I hope you guys, uh, have a great time, whatever you're going to do. You going to take it to a fancy steak dinner or what's y'all's plans tomorrow? Yeah, I have no idea. All right. Well, we got to work on that. Can I help? I'll tag in Megan. She'll come up with some fun ideas. Yeah. I'm going to sleep all day and then we'll go, you know, maybe get some street tacos and call it a night. All right. Well, that sounds fancy. Um, that's, that's relationship goals. And uh, we'll be back next week right here talking about WrestleMania 22 on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. I'm not sure if you're going to do it. Thanks for kicking it in there. Oh, yeah. Do I know Pasha Villa? We had lunch one time. Hopefully not street tacos. We'll find out next week. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever to the naked eye. Trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are. And they can't stop quickly. And even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop by that time. It's too late. And the result is a potential deadly crash. The point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. And even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't paid for by NHTSA. Man. We love talking about our friend, Steven singer. And I'll tell you the competition must really hate this guy. He just makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Well, head to Steven singer jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The guy next to you may be paying less. Do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on your negotiating skills? That's never the case at Steven singer because at Steven singer jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. 
So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of Eighth and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. So if you follow me on Twitter, you know I refer to myself as Conrad the Mortgage Guy. And I actually used to program myself in my phone going back like, I don't know, 10 years. So whenever I would share my contact information with someone, I was easy to find in their phone. You know, it's easy to meet a person and then you sort of remember meeting them, but you don't correlate their name and what they do with their face. You know, does that make sense? So I just program myself in there as Conrad, the mortgage guy. And now that's what I call myself on Twitter. I believe in being easy to do business with, but don't take my word for it. Ask Steven up in Hobart, Indiana. He says, I had a great experience working with Derek was a breeze. He was always thorough and kept me in the loop to make sure I understood everything. It was very fast and helped me get a great rate. A big thank you to Derek and his entire team. Now, thank you, Stephen, for the five-star review. The five-star reviews are piling up, man. If you want to save money, if you want to make this as painless and hassle-free as possible, you just got to try SaveWithConrad.com. That really is what my family wants to do, because Derek is my cousin, by the way. Let my family save your family some cash. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but we will save you money. It's not a matter if, it's a matter of how much. SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.